episode five of All About Adelphi is brought to you by the Red Hot Adelphi Racing Club. Adelphi Racing Club, offering a truly personal racing experience. Looking to own thoroughbred racehorses and win at the highest level circuits? We're not just a syndicate, and our members aren't just investors. We are partners. Experience the Adelphi difference. Join the club today. Contact us to get a taste of the Adelphi experience and come hang with us this Saratoga meet. Good evening and welcome to episode five of All About Adelphi. I'm your proud host, Howard Kravitz. Thanks for joining the HHH Racing Podcast tonight for what's going to be a very exciting show. I'm sure we have a lot of partners that are watching right now and people that are not directly connected to the Adelphi Racing Club. Welcome to our show. This is our 2022 year in review. And also, we're going to be talking about prospects for 2023 with three fantastic people. Matt Cutera, the racing manager of Adelphi Racing Club, Ray Handel, and also Miguel Clement, please make sure you subscribe on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. I'm going to assume that there are some people that have not seen this podcast before, so please make sure you hit that subscribe button. All that does is it really helps people direct uh, you to the HHH Racing Podcast for our fantastic content. Also, smash that thumbs up button. We'd really appreciate it. And also, hit that notification bell. When you press that notification bell, that'll tell you when new content will come up on this show so you don't have to go to our website. You don't have to go to the YouTube page. You automatically will be notified when new shows come up. And we have two fantastic shows coming up in the next two nights, which we'll talk about very briefly. You can see on the bottom of the screen there is my Twitter handle, at hkravitz. Please make sure you check that out. And also, I'm scrolling on the bottom of the screen is my email, hkravitzhorse at gmail.com. Uh, you can also listen to the HHH Racing Podcast and this Adelphi, All About Adelphi show and all the previous four shows as well on our listening platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Very quickly, we have Power Picks. If you're not familiar, look below the video player. It's a very inexpensive tip sheet. It's been absolutely on fire. Please consider subscribing to that. It's only 4 bucks a month. You'll hit a bunch of bets. And then you can buy some more horses with Matthew Terran Delphi Racing Club. So check out our Power Picks information below the video player. And then we also have a great website, hhhracingpodcast.com. Uh, all right. So without further ado, we got a few people that, of course, we want to uh, bring on. The first person we're going to bring on um, to talk about all about Adelphi Episode 5 in the year in review is, of course, the managing partner of Adelphi Racing Club. This guy does a fantastic job uh, with your horses, with my horses. As I think a lot of people you know, yours truly uh, is also a partner of Adelphi, Adelphi Racing Club. I have many horses uh, with Adelphi and fractional ownerships, some larger percent, some smaller percents. And I, it's very fair for me to say that I can call this gentleman we're about to be on the screen uh, a good friend now. We've had many great conversations about horses and other things and he's going to kick off the show with us so without further ado from the palatial state in the new york area let's bring on the managing partner of adelphi racing mr matt Cutera. matt how you doing tonight sir 
Hey, what's up, Howard? I, I don't know about palatial. I, I have my uh, I have books for my wife and my son that make me look smarter than I am behind me. It's it's just all you know, all a show. Well, the way the rate, the the way the uh, partnership is going, I'd say you've been pretty damn smart lately, uh, Matt. We got a lot of things to talk about. We know we have Ray Handel backstage. Let's just uh, jump right in. First of all, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all the partners. We got a lot of people uh, that are going to be listening and watching. If you are watching the show live right now, especially if you're a partner of Adelphi Racing Club, go to the YouTube channel and please comment on the right side of the screen. You comment in the chat. We already have two people. We got Christine Race, who Matt is a big fan of this show. She's not a partner of Adelphi, but she's a big fan of the show. Hopefully, we'll get some more partners also tonight. Uh, Roshan. Roshan, Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, again, any co comments, any questions for Matt Cutare or anything about Adelphi Racing, we want to hear about it. Matt, let's start first about how the year uh, went. And I do have a stat that I want to bring up on the screen uh, right now. Give me just a second. As you know, I'll be clicking a lot of buttons tonight. Uh, there's a stat for 2022. Matt, the best year that you guys have ever had or we've ever had. 32 starts, 22% win percentage, 69% in the money. You can see the earnings. And what can you say? A picture tells a thousand words, Matt. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we had a really good year. Um, and I was going back and I was looking at, um, you know, everything earlier. And, and I thought about it and I, I went back and I checked. Um, you know, the thing I'm probably most proud about is, is something that's actually not even shown on the screen here, but it's, it's sort of encapsulated within these numbers, which is, you know, we didn't run a horse uh, for a claiming tag. Uh, until we ran drink drink the wind, I guess that would have been December 29th. Um, wow. We didn't run a horse for a tag after the first of January of last year. So from the second of January of last year uh, through the, until the last race that we ran in the year, which was drink the winds, uh, forty thousand non winners of two, um, we didn't drop a horse in for the tag. Pretty much every horse um, that we ran that won went up in class, protected, um, and even at the end of the year, drink the wind. Um, you know, dropping in for 40, we had claimed him for 20. Um, and unfortunately, he was claimed away from us. Um, but, uh, you know, we had a, a couple of placings with him. Um, but, you know, he got claimed for twice the price that we that we had, had claimed him for. So, um, I, you know, overall, I thought, you know, it was a really successful year. Um, you know, we had a bit of a lull wins-wise in the summer at Saratoga. You always want to win races at Saratoga. Um, but we kept hitting the board, which is why that in-the-money percentage is so uh, high, um, and that's, you know, really as an owner um, and, and Ray, I'm sure when he jumps on, he'll, he'll agree to this, you know, it, it's hard for an owner to get upset when a horse runs their race, you know, and, and I think, you know, when horses run second and third, you know, that they're in the right spot, you know, that the trainer's done a good job of getting them, um, you know, to that race in good order. And they put forth the effort to, to be competitive at that level. And I think we just kind of kept plugging away throughout the summer, got a lot of seconds and thirds. And then, you know, the last, you know, sort of four months of, of 2022 were phenomenal, a bunch of wins and and really you know boosted that win percentage and you know let us sort of finish the year off the right way um and then you know look off off the track um i mentioned you know we ran a horse on the first of january for a tag that horse was binkster uh, we lost him that day um, but that was a horse that actually a bunch of adelphi partners had owned before and had a lot of success with and um, i'm ha happy to report for those of you that uh, don't know although a lot of a part a lot of the partners do know um, we were able to claim binkster back uh, several months later um, at Penn National and retire him. So um, we had a good story with that horse sort of to end the year uh, as well, um, you know, off the track. So uh, across the board, just just very pleased with the results. I'm happy for all the partners and obviously, you know, our trainers and, you know, everybody that is involved in picking out the horses and all that stuff deserve all the credit. Um, we just get to have fun and, uh, you know, enjoy the ride. 
Well, as you know, Saratoga is the toughest place probably in the country to win a race. And I know the experience is fantastic. And just before, uh, you know, I want to just get this right off the start so we don't, I don't forget. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you personally for the experience I've had with Adelphi Racing Club. I, I've had many firsts, a uh, first win as a partial owner, uh, first time at a at Triple Crown race last summer at Belmont. I look forward to going back to the Belmont again for the 50th anniversary of, of Secretariat, by the way, uh, coming up this summer. And just all the communication uh, that Delphi uh, brings to us. We know we, you know that you work very hard, Matt. And so my experience has been fantastic, um, irregardless of uh, you know how my horses have done. And, and I, some of them have done well, and some of them are going to be racing soon. But I just want to thank you personally, Matt, as I'm sure a lot of partners do for all the work you do. No, I appreciate you saying that. It's very kind of you to say and, and uh, you know, can't guarantee success on the track, um, but uh, certainly hope we can guarantee a good experience and, you know, you get something out of it and have some fun. And that's the important part. You know, this is uh, this is a sport that's supposed to be fun. And um, I'm glad you're enjoying the ride so far. Well, speaking of enjoying the ride, let, let's talk about the stable star. Uh, this this young lady, not so young, now she's four. Um, funny how I'm going to show uh, the replay of, or sort of into the into the stretcher, Matt, of her most recent win. If you just give me a second, I'm going to cue it up. It's not going to be, we don't want to have any sound right now, Matt. You can talk about it. And after the race, I'll show Funny House PPs as well. Matt, this horse has been not really a buzz horse for not only Adelphi, but in New York. I mean, it is hard to win four in a row. She's blown right by her conditions. She's done it uh, with blowout victory. She's done it with close wins. We're going to take a look at her uh, last race here that she had. I'm going to go ahead and play it. Really exciting win. You can talk through it, Matt, and your emotions. She's the one here on the inside with Katie Davis. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a filly. You know this, Howard, from owning a part of her. I mean, we've gotten very unlucky drawing the one hole with her, I think, like four of her six starts. Um, And she's a filly that likes to be outside in the clear, and and I think – you know, later we might show her maiden win when she got to be outside and, and, and you can see that she relishes sort of being, you know, outside and running, running free. Um, and I'm sure Ray will talk about that, but, you know, she's just grown up, she's matured, you know, this was her sixth career start. Um, and, you know, Katie did a, a great job on her, um, you know, broke out of the gate fine, just kind of settled into a good spot. And then I got a freezer right there, Matt. Now you were, you were, were you track level when you were watching this? I talked to you. Um, hard to tell if she was going to win. And I was watching this, of course, on TV. And I thought she was going to get there, but it did take her a little bit longer than we all wanted, I think. Yeah, no. And, and obviously, if you look at the three horses to the outside, they're actually pretty far outside of her. Um, so you, you get a little bit of like an optical illusion when you're watching at ground level and they're, you know, so spread apart. You don't necessarily know, you know, kind of who's in the lead at exactly what point. Um, you know, I, I thought about you know, uh, 30 yards to the wire that she had the momentum and was going to win. But, you know, obviously the nine, the Rob Atras horse, you know, dug in and fought. Um, she, did, she did. Yeah. We, we definitely did not get the benefit of the Bob. She's going backwards there where the other horse is going forward. So that made it a little bit scarier maybe than, than I anticipated, but uh, a win's a win. And, you know, look, she galloped out really strong. Um, you know, for those of the partners that haven't watched the full race replay and the gallop out, um, you know, she looked really good on the gallop out and, you know, look, she's just a, a really exciting filly. You know, like you said, there's not many horses that win four races in a row. Um, there's v- far fewer that win four races in a row going up in class each step of the way. Um, you know, we've got stakes next with her, which is always exciting. And look, this is a filly that we bought, you know, over two years ago as a yearling. Um, it took, 
um, you know, until the middle of her three-year-old year to get her to the races. She had, you know, things that popped up, you know, some serious, some not, um, that, you know, kind of kept her from making her debut. And, you know, it's a really good example of patience paying off, um, doing right by the horse. And, and Ray and his team just did a phenomenal job of, you know, taking care of her, bringing her along the right way. We didn't push. And, you know, now we're being rewarded for that, um, you know, with four wins in a row. And, you know, in her six starts, she's never been off the board. So um, super exciting Philly. And we've got the Broadway stakes next with, with her. And, you know, I'm excited for that because she's got a good amount of pedigree. And if we can get a stakes placing, it, it obviously will add a tremendous amount of value to her, you know, broodmare value. Man, I'm gonna, you touched on a bunch of races. I'm going to make these PPs bigger so you can see. She regressed to a 72 buyer. I'm not sure that that's going to be fully accurate. We, we talked about this a lot. I think the buyer will end up being a little bit, well, I don't know if they're going to change the buyer, but I think it was probably more impressive than the buyer showed um, because she was so far away from some of the other horses. And I'm not sure the inside was the place to be, but Mathis horses won over $200,000. Uh, this, this horse, I believe is the uh, highest purse earner of the stables history. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, she's, she's obviously, you know, won the four races and, and, you know, being a New York bred, um, you know, running in New York for big purse money, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you can, you know, you can get that number up pretty quick, um, you know, with the amount of money that they run for here in New York. And, and obviously that, that those purse earnings are impressive on the screen, but that doesn't even factor in um, the bonus money that she's earned for being a New York bred in both this last race and, um, you know, her maiden race where she actually ran against open company because the New York bread race didn't go, um, you know, as a New York bread, she ran for a 10% first bonus in both of those starts. So, um, you know, her, her actual earnings for the partners is a bit higher than that, which is, you know, another, you know, good reason to own a New York bread. You know, you just have the option to run for great purses. You've got restricted races and you've got the bonus when you run against open company, she's kind of checked all three of those boxes. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, stakes race next, that's always a lot of fun um, just to be in those kinds of races. But, you know, from a, you know, a monetary perspective, which again, look, horse racing is a very difficult sport to make money in. I'm, I'm under no illusion, but, you know, we do try to buy horses that have a chance to be successful, you know, in that regard as well. And when you buy New York Reds and you buy Phillies, you know, you're, you're looking to, you know, do what we talked about in terms of uh, extracting value in the open company races and the restricted races, but then you're also looking to to make them brood mares and increase their value. And, you know, a stakes race could go a long way. Uh, she could be first, second, or third in there uh, to increase her value there. So just really exciting, a lot more to come. And hopefully Ray and her team, uh, Ray and his team can keep uh, her going. And, uh, you know, we'll just enjoy the ride this year. Um, she just seems to be getting better every start. I, you mentioned the buyer, you know, look, I think the last race was huge. I think she ran a two on the thoroughgraph. I mean, she, it was just a big, big number. I, I wasn't surprised that she, um, you know, came down a little bit off that. Um, I, I do think, and we talked about it a bit, you know, it's difficult to make a buyer um, for Saturday's card. Um, you know, the, the track was drying out. It started out as muddy, and I think it was basically fast by the time we ran. So it dried out and changed all day. And then we were, I think, the only seven furlong race on the day as well. Yes. So not a lot to compare That's to. Correct. So, you know, I, look, at the end of the day, a win's a win. And, and uh, she, I think she did a good job. Um, you know, being gritty in that race and, and getting the job done. Not only did she, the horse, but quick shout out to Katie Davis, who works this horse in the morning, Matt. And, uh, you know, we gave her the mound and, and she came through. So congrats. To, you can see how happy she was in the winner's circle. And of course, big props to Ray Handel for doing such a great job with this horse, Matt, that I remember talking to you last summer. And you said, oh, Howard, there's this horse called Funny How that hasn't even run yet, but we like her. She's had the little, you know, niggling issues. And it just shows you how patience 
pays off. Speaking of patience, uh, very quickly, and we can move on to Ray whenever you'd like, Matt, so you just give me the signal. But I know there's a few other horses we want to mention before we got to Ray. Community Adjusted, uh, Royal Poppy, um, some horse, you know, uh, some horses that are some babies as well. I- I'll let you run the show here. I don't know how much you want to talk about before we bring on Ray. No, look, I think I just wanted to kind of hit on some of the highlights of the of, of the the year before we get in and talk about some of the specific horses. I know a lot of the partners will be excited to hear about their horses and and you know kind of a recap of their year from Ray and Miguel and and where we're headed. Um, sure. You know, a couple of things that I'm I'm uh, I'm pleased with. You know, just from an overall stable perspective. To touch on real quick before Ray comes on, you know, you mentioned. Uh, Royal Poppy and Community Adjusted, um, you know, we we had a difficult time this year claiming horses. Um, it's very difficult to claim horses in New York right now. There's just far fewer horses uh, to claim, and there's a lot more competition uh, to get the good ones. So when you do find ones that you like and you drop on them, you're shaking, you know, eight, nine, ten, twelve ways, and you know, you got to get lucky to get the horses. So um, you know, we we spent a lot more time this year focused on purchasing horses privately. Um, we were able to complete deals for two horses, Community Adjusted and Royal Poppy, um, one with Christophe Clement, one with Ray. And, uh, you know, both of those horses won first off the private purchase. So I'm really happy about that. I think, you know, the team did a good job of, of trying to find the right horses that were sitting on the right conditions, um, you know, that we could, you know, capitalize on with quickly. Um, and then, you know, both horses obviously have, you know, Royal Poppy uh, coming off her first win, has a stakes race coming up. So we've got a lot of potential with her moving forward and community adjusted came back after winning her race to, uh, uh, you know, to place uh, in a couple of nice second level allowance races going up the ladder. So, um, you know, they continue to, to, to move forward. Um, I'm also really excited about the yearling class and we'll talk about some of the yearlings um, with Ray and Miguel as well. Um, you know, very difficult yearling market to buy in. Um, you know, the, the market was very competitive, definitely a seller's market. And um, I think the, the team, you know, led by Joe Migliori did a good job of, you know, kind of uh, being, you know, patient and, um, you know, sticking to our guns. And I think we, we've we got, you know, a yearling class that uh, that I'm as excited about as I've ever been for a yearling class that's now two-year-olds. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about them with uh, with Ray and uh, Miguel a little bit too. So excited for the partners to get to hear about their horses. And why don't we bring Ray on and, uh, you know, let him kind of talk a bit more about uh, some of the horses in his care. Yeah, let's do that. And if, if you see me looking to the right here, folks, I got another screen where I'm bringing up replays. So bear with me. I don't have, uh, I, I'm the producer, the editor, the whole thing. All right. He's been waiting very patiently. Let's bring him on backstage. We are very happy to have on live tonight one of the trainers uh, for the Adelphi Racing Club. He's had a fantastic 2022 and off to a good start in 2023. Let's bring him on right now, Ray Handel. Ray, how are you doing tonight? What's going on, fellas? Happy to be here. Congratulations on all your successes, Ray. Uh, Really happy to have you. Uh, Guys, let's talk about Funny How first. And, Matt, I've got the – debut uh replay brought up ray can you just briefly talk about the progression of of funny how uh, since you've been working with her and just again we talked about before that patience really pays off and i know you're not only an excellent trainer but a, a great horseman as well and obviously the patience that we've showed with funny how uh has really paid off uh especially the last four victories yeah well you know it started off from the beginning you know just having open dialogue with matt and you know, and, and the rest of the partners being able to just kind of relay information and not being so much judged off of, you know, how things might may have been handled sometimes or, or what might have happened. Just sometimes horses have things that go on and they need to be addressed. And, um, you know, it was kind of a little bit of a uphill battle at the beginning with her. She had a minor setback at the farm and 
and we gave her the time and brought her back. And um, she had a sinus infection when she was just before she's about to come into us in the beginning. And we let that resolve itself. Um, but, you know, as far as showing promise from the beginning, we after her first workout, we had pretty high expectations from her. You know, she showed us a lot of ta talent in the morning. Actually, had Trevor come in and breeze her either her second or her third half mile. And um, we he, he was pretty impressed with her. First time, I think we went like a 48 um, with a hammer lock on. And, um, you know, we kind of thought at that point that we might have something pretty special. Um, and like Matt said, you know, just every race she's gotten better and she's shown progression. She she faced a lot of adversity in her first race, breaking from the inside and taking kickback <clears throat> and still being able to come on and make a run at the end. And, um, you know, I think she's just getting better every start. And I still think she, I think she'll continue to improve. And this was Matt, Matt Elthorman was seven to one uh, to, to win her, to break her maiden as well. Right. Yeah, I know. We got lucky there off the first two races and the fact that we had to run against open company, which was, you know, to raise credit, a really good call. You know, you, you, you sometimes in this game have to audible quick and, you know, races, uh, you know, that you're pointing to that you expect to go, don't go. And then, you know, you've got to make the right decision on, on what you do there. Do you wait? Do you find another spot? And, um, you know, Ray, I think, you know, to his credit, um, found the open maiden special weight race, which, uh, you know, had some good horses in it, but was a bit light in terms of the numbers. So it mm -hmm. actually ended up being, I think, a pretty good spot for us. But, um, you know, we ended up going off at seven to one, as you say, Howard. So the, the partners got the cash a little bit as well. So it was yeah, double the fun sure. for sure. Yeah, she, she's got a big future. We're all very excited about her. Um, let's move on to O'Donna, Matt, uh, and Ray. O'Donna broke, um, uh, one at the Meadowlands, excuse me, on the 21st. We're going to show that mm -hmm. replay. Uh, Ray, can you talk a little bit about uh, O'Donna? Yeah, we bought her at the two-year-old in training sales last year. I was really high on her. Actually, I think I bought her and we kind of partnered up after the sale because I was pretty high on her. Um, she she uh, she had a little bit of a – she just – even right there, you can see she breaks it always a tick slow, and that kind of cost her in her first two dirt races, and um, she was able to recover well this day and, um, you know, got the job done. She's She's pretty versatile. You know, I think she still could be a – pretty good horse on the dirt as well we were exploring our options because Bachero kind of goes both ways well he went both ways himself on the track so we figured it was going to get late in the year there's no more restricted maiden special weights and we thought that this uh this Meadowlands race would be a little bit softer and we'd be able to get the job done and, and everything worked out and Matt, it's not easy to close the Meadowlands, you know, doing this distance. So, and she was, you know, challenged here and, mm -hmm. you know, it looked like maybe the horse in between was going to get there, but a very game win. You, you like to see that fight in a horse, don't you? Yeah, this was my, uh, my heart attack race of the year. I, I, <laughs> getting, get, getting up to win that race. I mean, that was, you know, you got four horses running across the track and, uh, you know, it was exciting, uh, you know, that she was able to close there. Um, that was you your know, heart attack race? Yes. What about the other day? <laughs> well, I just, I, I said I was, you know, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of thought we were winning that race. Maybe I, maybe I was uh, falsely uh, thinking that we were further ahead than, uh, than we were uh, based on the angle that I had. Um, <laughs> I, I do remember being very nervous uh, up until the last couple of jumps in the Meadowlands race, just thinking that she wasn't going to get there. So. Not totally. I agree. I'll, I agree. Put that, I'll put that on the top. What, one more question on O'Donna Ray. Obviously she came out of the race with a little bit of a tendon uh, issue. Mm -hmm. um, she's uh, gone to Patty Hogan's um, for some rehab. Patty's phenomenal, does a good job. She seems to have a really good, um, you know, racing prognosis. Patty does yeah. for, for the Philly. 
Um, you know, just talked to her uh, a couple of days ago and things seem to be going well so far. And uh, hopefully if, if things continue to go well, she can come back around the 1st of March. Um, you've had other horses that have come back from, from tendon issues. Maybe just talk a little bit about how you approach training them. Um, you know, anything you do that's different or, or whatnot, um, you know, when you've got a horse that's coming back from that kind of injury, um, cause you're really good at, you know, sort of these kinds of situations. So I think that partners would benefit from your, your kind of expertise there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've had a lot of success with horses with tendon issues, like a way, way worse than hers. Hers is almost so small that I, I probably won't really change too much training, at least at the beginning part with her. If things change, um, you know, I can always address it, but you know, we, we get them on a, a different type of regimen where they're maybe doing more jogging than galloping and more controlled workouts where it might take a little bit longer to get there because you don't want to press as much in the morning. So you let them, the horses kind of take you along in their workouts, do everything in hand. Because in general, when horses are fatigued is when injury happens. And if you can, you know, keep them from getting too tired uh, in the mornings, then, you know, you can get them through that injury or get them through their problems and uh, get them to the races. And then once you get to the races, it's you're in cruise control mode. Um, but for Odana, uh, honestly, it's such a small, small area that was affected that, and it was very, just a very local look, like a very, um, I don't want to say cute, very small strand of the tendon that was injured that I honestly don't think it'll be a, a problem at all going forward. I think, should be able to train fine, train normally, and race a fine, healthy life, and and probably never have to worry about that tendon again. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. Did you want to go on a misspelled moon mat, or did you want to? Yeah, no. Let's 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 keep it uh, keep it going. Um, you know, with right. with miss. Go ahead. Go There's misspelled moods. Uh, misspelled moons win at Monmouth, uh, Matt and Ray. Yeah, Ray. I mean, so this is a this is a fun filly, I think, for for the group. Um, you know. <laughs> Uh, obviously, uh, we had, uh, you know, she's, she's, she's affiliated for those of you that don't know that, uh, we debuted at Saratoga and she actually just refused to break from the gate. She had turned her head and, uh, we, we still give Ray a hard time about that to this day, but should have uh, been declared a non-starter just saying <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, ir the ironic thing about it is, is she, she didn't run that first race, but, uh, you know, she's pretty much, um, you know, she's, she's probably the most honest horse in the barn since then in terms of, Absolutely. you know, she kind of always comes out and always runs hard and runs her race. She doesn't always get there, but she's got a lot of seconds and thirds. And then, you know, obviously she has this win at Monmouth. Um, you know, I think one of the things we kind of learned with her, you know, throughout the year, um, you know, was that shorter was better. Um, and so in, in New York, obviously at Aqueduct and, you know, Belmont, you're running six furlongs plus at Saratoga, you get to run five and a half. Um, but, you know, this maiden special weight win at the end of June, we were kind of, you know, in between, you know, deciding whether we should run her again at Belmont and then, you know, run her at Saratoga or if we would ship her out of town and, and get a little bit shorter at, at uh, Meadowlands. Um, you know, you elected to go to Meadowlands, maybe just sort of talk about, you know, why you did that and, and what you thought about that race and then, you know, kind of for the rest of her season from there. Yeah, like you said, she's super honest. Aside from Funny House, she's probably our most consistent horse that we have in training. Um, she's got a lot of speed. She breaks for his quirky and as goofy as she is before uh, the races she always breaks out of there comes out running shows her speed and and she kind of keeps going until she can't anymore um but um yeah we took a shot with her she was kind of maybe getting closer to the end and we wanted to give her one more shot before grass was um wrapped up and she kind of ran a little bit of a clunker but that happens um 
But, you know, she's shown us that when you give her the time, you give her the winter off, she's going to come back and fire some good races. So, you know, my mindset for her campaign would be something like we try Aqua, try the six furlongs a couple of times. Um, you know, I, I guess we're, I guess we are, I was going to say, we're going back to Belmont in the spring. So probably when the springtime rolls around, if she hasn't knocked out the, um, the starter condition, we can try it. They have the same condition down at Monmouth. It's for a little bit less money, but, you know, they write five eights and five and a half. And I just think she's super effective. She's shown she could win on that turf course. She's shown she can ship and win. And then, um, you know, maybe visit it, uh, a Saratoga start since they go five and a half there kind of re readdress it once we go back to there and then and then at the end of the season we'll be back to aqueduct so you know we'll have some options man Makes we got sense. a great question i'm sorry to interrupt you man we got a great question from jim pilars i don't know if, if this is really a question for matt or ray i'm chuckling because when you read the question you all understand this is from jim pilars from buffalo out of curiosity how are jockey assignments made is that strictly a trainer decision or a partner uh decision maybe um Ray would like it to be a training decision, but uh, <laughs> I know it, it's pretty much a, a conglomerate uh, of those two. And just to both, you know, Jim Pilars is a, a great viewer of this show. He is not an Adelphi partner, but he lives in Buffalo, guys. So I, I'm sure he's excited about his Buffalo Bills. Either one of you <laughs> want to uh, attack that question? You want to go for it, Ray? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, me, myself personally in general, uh, Matt's obviously been there for all the races that we're in, or a majority of them. I don't really have a whole lot to say to the jocks. You know, I'm, I might tell them that the horse has some kind of antics and bad habits or, or something that I see maybe in the form or the way the track's playing and kind of just talk, talk it out a little bit. But I'm not a guy that's like, all right, you got to break, you got to take a hold, sit off this horse and that horse. You know, these guys, especially here in New York, you're dealing with the, the pinnacle of racing and it's the pinnacle jocks and, and horses. So, you know, just like Matt lets us do our lets me train the horses. We have a discussion about things as far as training goes. Same thing with the jock instructions. You know, we 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 talk it out. We'll have some kind of idea, and we'll all talk together briefly in the paddock. But you know, for the most part, we kind of just let them do their thing and and just you know let them know what kind of habits the horse might have. Well, Matt, the bigger question is before you have that discussion, how is it decided through Adelphi uh, who's going to ride these horses? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I would say probably 95% of the time we just defer to Ray or other trainers, you know, with whoever they want to ride on the horse. And, you know, uh, we're, we're blessed that the trainers that we use have really good relationships with certain jocks who do a great job. You know, Dylan Davis is a good example, of, you know, rides a ton of horses for Ray, rides a lot of our horses. And, you know, I'm happy to have Dylan on any horse that uh, that we ever own and run. So, you know, usually it's just kind of a default, you know, no brainer or whatever you know, Ray wants to do, um, you know, in that regard goes, um, you know, if it's a bit of an outside the box idea or, you know, we're running in a particular race that, uh, you know, is a little bit different, you know, Ray's really good about, you know, sort of bringing it to me and saying, Hey, you know, what do you think about that? Um, you know, we had kind of a situation like that recently with funny how, you know, cause Trevor McCarthy was her regular jock. He got hurt, I think two days before her third start. Um, and so we were fortunate enough to get Joel Rosario, who rides a lot, of, a lot of horses for Ray. It's good when your trainers have relationships with some of the better jocks, you know, Dylan and Joel, you can't, can't do, uh, you know, too much better than those guys. So we had Joel for that start. And then obviously Joel goes away for the winter. So we need to figure out what to do, you know, with her in this last start and Ray came up with what I thought was a really good idea, which was to ride Katie Davis, who was, you know, coming back from having her baby and kind of getting back going again. And, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning of the, 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 the show uh howard uh, 
uh, Katie uh, had gotten on uh, funny how, you know, most mornings really for the last, you know, nine, 10 months. And she, Until it comes out, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so she knew the Philly really well and worked really hard and was, you know, a big part of kind of getting the Philly to where she is. So, um, you know, I thought it was a good idea to, to, to reward her in that regard. And I, I think it was a great idea by Ray uh, to do that. And, you know, but that was a, a different situation. So I sent that out to the partners and, you know, the partners all weighed in and, you know, we'll take partner feedback into account in those kinds of situations. And, you know, a lot of people were, were in favor of it and, you know, um, we had a good discussion about it and, and that's the direction we went, but um, you know, 90, 95% of the time, it's usually just the trainer decision, but you know, like, like with anything else, you know, we try to be collaborative and that's a good thing about having, you know, solid relationships with your trainers and, you know, working with the same trainers a lot, you know, you can develop the, that relationship and, and have a good sort of trust factor back and forth on this kind of stuff. Well, I could verify, uh, Jim, that Matt, I, I'm, I have a small piece of, of funny how, uh, and, and Matt did reach out to everyone and, and ask for their opinion, which I, I, I really value. We all understand that it's ultimately up to Matt and Rain and, and, you know, the powers that be, but it's nice to know when you have a piece of a horse uh, and, and your opinion is valued. Uh, Ray, you know you got a big fan club. This is from Jeff Amster. Congrats on buying the pizza and champagne for Andy and Anthony. Maybe they'll stop calling you out for not buying them lunch at Saratoga. Any, any thoughts on that, Ray? <laughs> it's the whole, the whole thing happened because of a bet that never happened. They, the, 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 I promised them I'd buy them dinner at Saratoga if I won another, I think I had like seven wins and i was like i said if i get dinner if i i win this eighth race at saratoga we're going out to dinner on me the boys this is like two three years ago i had like a crazy run up there and i never got the eighth win but then they forgot the story and they just harassed the hell out of me but it's all in jest they're they're big supporters of mine and big advocates and they 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 pump me up on the show so it's fun but uh you know i don't mind if it's still uh if it still keeps going on a little bit it's good banter they're not the only one. Matt threw a little shade out on Twitter, I think, for uh, not paying for a meal. Ray, you're, you're taking a lot of heat, Ray. You should see the, what, the crap that I take from my co-host on my show. So I, I get it, sir. I get it. <laughs> I'll yeah, take you it. Have to, you have to pile on when it's people you like. And, uh, yeah, exactly. When I, when I heard them talking about it on Talking Horses, I had to scroll back. Uh, unfortunately for Ray, I had to scroll back about two years on my phone to find a picture of him paying for a check. Wow. And, uh, I was able to. I remember uh, that. That was it. Yep, yeah, because it, it only happened once. That's why you remember it. Um, <laughs> so I, I posted that and uh I, you know i actually should probably take some credit for uh, andy getting his champagne and uh big a getting his partial. Uh, pizza partial. Partial. both these guys go to classy places because i have first-hand knowledge of eating with both these gentlemen at some at some great restaurants so uh <laughs> enjoyed all that um should we go on to certified lover boy i have a replay matt and Ray, I'm very excited about this horse. I have a little bit larger piece with this horse than I do with Funny How. This is a horse by Mendelssohn. We're going to watch a third-place finish. He has not broken his maiden yet. There's been some weird circumstances here because, you know, we wanted to get him on turf, but he hasn't really been able to do that. We're going to watch this race on dirt from October 2nd where he finished uh, third. What does he like about Certified Loverboy and Matt? Of course, you can talk about him as well. Ray? Oh, sorry. I, um, you know, he's always shown us a tremendous amount of talent, and it's been kind of like this puzzle uh, because he just he shows so much talent in the morning. And he's so fast. Um, we started him on the dirt sprinting, and we we thought we had something serious because he was outworking every horse and going fast and doing everything the right way. 
And, um, you know, he ran first time out and he ran okay, spinning his wheels a little bit down the lane. And he didn't really finish up. And I was, I was a little surprised because he just, he'd never done that in the mornings. Um, and then, I, you know, as we've gone on, we've kind of made small adjustments. And I think this day was supposed to be a, um, supposed to be a grass race. Um, he did run much, much improved on the grass sprinting uh, at Saratoga. And, um, you know, we we're excited to get him because he galloped up super strong that day. Um, we were excited to get him to go two turns or I think, yes, it was supposed to be two turns on the grass. Um, but unfortunately we didn't, but he still ran a bang up race against a real tough group. I mean, obviously WNL is in here. He went on to win the Remsen out of this race and really he kind of sat the trip. He, he, you know, we were three of us across the track in a speed duel and WNL sat way up the back and made one big one run. And, you know, you can see our guys down here showing some tenacity and fighting on even here. He kind of, Rebroke, he thought you might, might have a shot, and that's deep inside this eight pole. Uh, and then, you know, finally, you can see WNL kicks in and he just gets a little bit tired, but you know, really stays fighting. And if you watch the replay in the gallop out, he gallops out a mile past the field. Um, so a lot to look forward to in, um, in you know, 2023 with him. I was, um, I was really encouraged, and I think he's a horse that you know, listen, if he's a if he's if he's not. Uh, better on the grass, he's going to be um, a really good um, turf horse. Yeah, know. there is on the inside. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, right there. Yeah, mm -hmm. galloping out past the winner. Maddie's got like a higher knee carriage. I think turf's going to work well. I, I'm really excited about him. What what, what are we seeing going to see going forward, man, in terms of his progression, his timing when he gets back to a race? Are we going to wait till grass in New York? Is that the plan? Yeah, I mean, so I don't want to speak for Ray, so obviously Ray, Ray jump in, but I think the plan with him is he'll come back into training around March 1, and then, mm -hmm. um, you know, you'll get him, you know, back going, and, and hopefully by May he'll be ready for a race. I think, you know, the last we talked about it, Ray, you know, you wanted to try him uh, on turf again. Obviously, yeah. you know, the race that we just watched, as you mentioned, came off the turf, and he did run good that day, but you know, we still haven't had a chance to see him run long on the turf, so I think we still kind of want to see that. But, you know, I kind of echo, you know, Howard, your sentiments and, and Ray's as well. I thought that was – you know, by far his his best race and, you know, to kind of be that close to the eventual Remsen winner. And, you know, he, he showed a lot of grit, I think, you know, to fight back on the inside there with the speed duel and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I I, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about this horse. And, you Absolutely. know, we'll just have to see whether, you know, long on the, the grass is what he wants to do. It, it certainly doesn't seem like, you know, long on the dirt is a bad thing, though, off that last race either. Uh, as a high school math teacher, Ray, you don't have to be a genius to know that this is a good graph when you're talking about earnings, man, you added your best year ever in 2022, over 10 million in total earnings. Um, Matt, I, we just, yeah, I think we just want to throw kudos to this guy who, as we end the time with him here tonight, really just had a fantastic year and, and the best is yet to come. I think Matt for this guy. Yeah, no, I mean, look, Ray, you, you, we've, we've been together for a while and, and uh, each year is, is up and to the right, you know, just kind of looking at the graph and, and that's kind of how I felt in terms of, you know, the partnership with you and, and, we obviously appreciate uh, what you do for the horses. Um, you know, we know the horses get you know really good care and individual attention and all that stuff. Um, maybe, maybe I, before we, we do, I didn't mean I didn't mean to suggest we were done. I'm sorry, Matt, but I know we want to talk about Gemmin Ten, who's starting, who's going to be starting soon. Um, Salivo Spritz, who I personally have a uh, well, actually Gemmin Ten as well, and then a hard spun yearling. Let, let's talk about those really quickly, and then we're going to end race segment with a question and actually two short videos. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt, on those other horses. 
Yeah, so so we, we I think we skipped a little bit over Royal Poppy, so maybe just talking about her. Oh, I'm sorry, cool. we did. My, oh, no, my bad. No, no, no worries. I just want to make sure we talk about her. Obviously, she's very exciting. We bought her privately before her last race. You know, she was really impressive to break her maiden, uh, kind of running away. And uh, you're pointing now, Ray, to the Ruthless Stakes, um, which is, I think, February 4th. So, my birthday. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. So oh, wow. It's very cool. That was the uh, birthday cards, guys. February 4th. There you go. <laughs> Interesting how he just slipped that in, too, Matt. Isn't that <laughs> Hopefully some birthday luck. Um, maybe, maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, pointing her to that ruthless race. Um, you know, it's stretching out to seven furlongs. Um, it's a stakes race, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of on the Kentucky Oaks Trail here in New York. Um, you know, you've had some success with this angle before, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the horse. Um, but you know, you just sort of talk about the thought about running her here and, and what the, what the angle is and, and what you think you're going to try to do with her in the ruthless stakes and, and how she's going to kind of come into it. Yeah. You know, maybe I was a little overconfident because I told you when you were, when we were thinking about buying her, I said, we're going to win this race next time. And then we're going to point her to the ruthless stakes and we're going to have a horse on the oak show through the winter time here, because wow. you know, it's, it's one of those, it's that route. It's just, you know, a lot of the big dogs go down South and, the races come up lighter, and even if you don't win those stakes races, it's still like, you know, you've got a, a young filly. She's got a, a lot of speed. You know, if she can get a piece of it, it just increases her value a tremendous amount. And, you know, this is really encouraging this day. This is first-time blinkers. The field was obviously, yes, it was a lot easier. She went off two-to-one favorite this day. But, um, you know, she really leveled out nicely. I thought she was way more focused with the blinkers on. And, um, I, I, you know, even though she's a smaller size filly, she, I've always thought that she'd probably stretch and she can probably get up to at least a one-term mile, I think, as efficiently as she has been sprinting. So uh, I'm super pumped about the, the Ruthless. We don't really have much of an idea of who's running in there right now, but, you know, the Phillies that are staying up here, I think she's going to be a pretty logical contender. Or, I, I, you know, I think she's in the single-digit odds. You know, she's going to be a choice. I don't know. I don't think she'll be the favorite, but, you know, she'll be – you know, she'll have a, a legitimate chance and her with the speed that she has, you know, she's always going to be in the game early and kind of give you a rooting chance late in the game. Yeah. I mean, she I was I, really I, good that day, Matt. Well, I remember you, and you were, you very nice to ask me, you know, what I thought of the source from a handicapping perspective, because I don't obviously make the decisions for the partnership. And I said, she had a lot of like sort of weird trips before her win. And she had some, you know, she was in, in between horses and she had some, you know, tough situations. And I, I thought mm -hmm. she, Pets in town, you guys obviously did a great job in, in picking her out, Matt and Ray. Well, Thank I you. think this is, and I think Ray, Ray does a really good job with these kinds of angles, but I think this was just a really interesting angle for partners to get involved with kind of going into winter, right? You have a filly that showed a good amount of ability, but still had all of her conditions that had a good amount of speed. Um, you know, we got, I think, lucky, obviously, to win first off of the purchase that, you know, you can't count on that happening. But, um, you know, I think we thought that as the winter progressed, the maiden special weights, at least in, in New York, would get easier. You know, versus you know facing Chad and Suge and all the you know and Todd and all the big trainers throughout the summer that that she had faced and finished second or third to, um, you know, so we thought the maiden special weight would get easier and then you know you've got these stakes races. I think the ruthless last year was one with like a sixty-four buyer or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't it doesn't always take a huge effort to win or place mm -hmm. in a race like that. You know, and, and I think Miss Brazil won it the year before and probably ran a ninety. So ninety something, but yeah, yeah but. Yeah, but it's always it's always you know I don't knock on wood we'll we'll enter and it'll be fourteen horses but um, it's usually always a shorter field and and I haven't seen any Miss Brazil's here this year either too so I think it's more of on par with kind of her figs if, if there's somebody in there there's no horse that's running you know mid eighties that's going to be you know two to five 
that's around right now pointing towards that race. Yeah. No, look, hope, hopefully, uh, hopefully. We catch the right, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we catch the right field. And, uh, you know, like you said, speed is always dangerous. So, you know, even if she's not quite good enough to win that race, if we could, you know, run second or third and get a stakes placing, it's, it's a huge Seems, value yeah. to her residual value. So excited about her. Just everyone who's watching, we are going to have Miguel Clement here in probably just about five minutes or so, um, so or five or ten minutes. So please hang tight, everyone, for a great interview with Miguel Clement. Before we get to him, Matt, I know we want to briefly talk about Gem Mint 10, Salivo Sprints, and the uh, Hard Spun Yearling Hard Par. Yeah, I think I think the last time you were on uh, Howard's podcast where you guaranteed a win by Gem Mint 10 first time out. Uh, <laughs> And uh, he, uh, he, he he had to go to the sidelines for a little bit. Nothing serious. Just gave him some time to be a horse. He's come back. He, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to watch, I think, his last three or four breezes. He's just looked phenomenal. Um, you know, we're pointing to a race on the 26th. Maybe just talk a little bit about him in general, what your expectations are, and, you know, um, just talk about the horse. Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's a big, beautiful, good-looking horse. You know, we loved him going into his first race. He had a minor thing happen right before he ran in his first race, he pretty much had him ready to go. And, um, you know, it was one of those situations where we probably could have ran him. We were risking doing some kind of maybe potentially be longer term damage. We just said, turn him out. He's a big boy and bring him back. And, um, you know, he's just been lighting it up every every week. It seems like, you know, Matt saw his workout from the gate, which was spectacular. And, you know, even last week I was trying to kind of slow him down a bit and, it was all my rider could do to keep him in company with his other, with the with the other horse, and um, you know, you know, no guarantees in this game, but he's training about as good as a horse could possibly train to go up into his first race. So, you know, I think he's going to want a bit more ground, but he's pretty fast. Where I think he'll be super efficient sprinting, anyways. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but um, I do know from my experience in owning horses, my limited experience that. Uh, when a trainer's asking you if a horse is stallion series eligible, that's usually a good sign. You know, he's asking, <laughs> he's asking that question before the, uh, before the first race, obviously with the, with Lau Ban having uh, moved to Kentucky from New York before he died, you know, there's certain crops that are New York stallion yeah. series mm -hmm. and ones that are not. So certainly not, uh, not guaranteeing that or anything like that, but uh, it's always a good sign when you when your trainer guarantees a win in the spring and then is asking those questions in the, uh, you know, in the winter, that's, that's a good sign. So excited about him. Um, Ray, maybe just uh, talk about Salivo Spritz real quick. She's going to come back uh, February one ish. Um, and, uh, you know, point to, to making her debut in the spring, uh, probably on the turf, just real quickly, you know, how she's, uh, you know, been so far in the couple times you've had her in and what you're expecting for her, uh, when she comes back. You know, she was, she had a really good presence to her. She did everything right in the morning. Um, you know, no real bad habits, very level, smart Philly and built really lovely. You know, she looks like she's probably a, a turf type sprinter. She's had a couple setbacks. Um, but you know, nothing too major, you know, we just doing like same thing, like funny how just keep on doing right by her and giving her all the chance. And, um, you know, hopefully she pays us off just like, like funny did, but you know, we didn't really get as far along with her. So I don't really, couldn't really have that real super good grasp of exactly where the talent level might be, but she certainly seemed like she was a better than average type horse. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to getting her back in February. Awesome. And then uh, the yearling that we bought um, at the New York Red Sale at Saratoga that is now named Hard Par, uh, Hard Spun Colt. Mm -hmm. um, he's down in Ocala um, getting going. He's a two-year-old now um, and we will come into you in the spring. Um, maybe just talk about what you liked about him. If 
um, you've heard anything new about, you know, whether he's been doing kind of down there so far and, and what your plans are with him. I need to get up there. You know, I've been, every time I come down here, I try and get up, but it's just been, we've been so busy at Palmetto's that um, I haven't gotten a chance to go check on everybody, but, you know, I speak with Raul Reyes, who does all the break, majority of the breaking uh, pre-training uh, for our yearlings and now two-year-olds. Um, and he's really encouraged by him, says he's a really strong colt. He doesn't take shit from anybody, and he's just kind of a bulldog and, and really goes about his business the right way. So, you know, all the good things you want to see. Awesome. So, Ray, we got two quick things I want to show you. First of all, we had, and Matt, you don't know, you haven't seen this video, by the way, Matt. We had a, Ray, myself and the other two co-hosts, we had a 2023 uh, New Year's predictions show. We are trying to New Year's resolutions and predictions for what might happen in 2023. And I want to show you, man, the confidence that I have in you and show you some love because this is me very quick about a prediction that I have for 2023. And it involves you, Ray. I'm going to go with sound. Here's one of my predictions for 2023. I like that one. I have uh, I have a quick. This is more of a wish. I don't think it's really going to happen. I would love to see it happen. Ray Handel will have a Breeders' Cup starter. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know. Hey, what you race, never know. But he's an up. He guys. He's he's coming on nationally, and good for him. He's a great guy. I know. Obviously, Paul, you and I have met him before. I um, yeah. He he trains some of the horses <laughs> I own. Um, I think he does a great job. Um, what do you think, Ray? It's my guy, baby. Let's go. How's that sound? Even Who's it going to be with? That's the question. Let's get a yeah, let's get a let's get a Delphi horse. Yeah, you t you <laughs> tell us you tell us which horse or horses, and you know we'll get the partners ready to make the trip. I love it. I love All it. right, a certified lover boy in the mile. That's I don't it. Know. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Right? Hey, Mendelssohn won a Breeders' Cup. Why not? Right? Throw him yeah, in there. Uh, the, the last question, man. I think you got to address this. We heard about something that happened down in Florida. And we need we need we need to set the record straight because we've got a bit of an issue. Matt, 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 please please ask Ray this this the most important question by far of the night. But by far the most important uh, by far. topic of discussion. So so last week I received two different texts basically about five minutes apart. Uh, one <laughs> one from Ray and one from Miguel who's coming on in a bit. And so we figured we'd ask both of you guys about it. Um, apparently you guys, well, obviously, you know, you're lucky you're down in Florida in the winter. So you're, uh, playing volleyball, gallivanting on the beach, whatever you're doing. But apparently there was some pretty competitive volleyball matches happening. You on the opposite side of, uh, of, of the match from Miguel. Now Miguel says he beat you. What say you? Let's just say Miguel's not carrying the French flag quite as far as his, his country did in the World Cup this year. Wow. It came up a, a quite a bit amount shorter. But uh, it was a good game. It was very competitive. We kept everybody thoroughly entertained with their trash talking through the entire time. But I think it was like 2-3 to Miguel. Yeah, he beat me. So, But I smoked in the first two games. He got, he got lucky. He picked a new team together. You know, typical. You know, he, he was – recruiting from other places and yeah he got a few dubs on me but you know we were just we we're just rolling out with what we had he does well, have the, he does have the height advantage too howard to be fair he was outsourcing he was outsourcing i was just going with my buddies and you know he's you know it was it wasn't a, it wasn't as uh intense as miguel was recruiting on the beach he's bribing people i saw him slip somebody a 20 dollar bill wow <laughs> well well ray we we weren't really sure who to trust about this volleyball game. So we asked Miguel, here was Miguel's 
response a response about the volleyball game, Ray. There apparently was a volleyball match that we need to hear about. Miguel, do you or Matt, do you either one of you want to tell the uh, partners and viewers at home about this volleyball match that I just heard about tonight? Well, I, I don't know much about it other than the fact that it happened. And I was just saying to you before we, we obviously started recording that uh, we're going to have both Ray and Miguel on here. And I guess they played volleyball against each other last week down in Florida. Lucky them, us us folks freezing up here in New York and Chicago, respectively. But um, I put that to the side. Uh, I, I think we got to ask, you know, hopefully we will have asked Ray prior to uh, Miguel coming on. Uh, we got to ask Miguel what, what happened in the volleyball match. Who won? You or Ray Handel? No, that's an easy question. I wouldn't even have to admit it. I mean, just the two of us taking off our shirts, who do you think would win? I mean, it's <laughs> I mean I'm not being biased. I just watched maybe a little bit of too much of Deion Sanders on Netflix, so uh, I'm on the motto. Some people just win no matter where they go. You know, that's all I'm right, So Miguel won, Matt. There you go. Miguel won. <laughs> do we have independent witnesses that we could, you know, if we get conflicting reports from Where's the video, Matt? I was hoping you'd bring the YouTube video. Where is it? What happened? Uh, Matt, I took a picture of how everyone looked, all right? But I feel like it was self-explanatory who won, all right? I did see that picture. We won't share that. But uh, I think there was a picture taken of you, too. We won't share that either. We'll, we'll, Howard, I think we'll we can share it. You prepare and contrast and do a poll. Which one of the two do you think probably won at volleyball? Oh, good. Yeah, when I look at my computer, I, I, I think I might have. No, I don't have the picture. Sorry. No, well, no, no. I, I will tell you what. If Miguel, if you're okay with me showing the picture that he took of you, and he's okay with showing the picture you took of him, maybe Howard, you can post them on your Twitter page after the podcast. If I get permission, I'd be happy but, to do it. But, he's, but, he, but, but Miguel's got to say yes, and Ray's got to say yes. So no pressure. All right. So, Ray. Let's do it. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, we're going to show the picture? Yeah, let's pull it. All right. There you go, Matt. We're, we'll take I, will, I will, yeah, I will find that I'll send it to you, Howard, and then you can decide how to disseminate. That works for me. <laughs> I mean, also, also, by the way, let's just talk about the ridiculousness of this entire scenario, right? So, as, <laughs> and, and our partners understand this, right? When you own racehorses, I, no offense, Ray, but like the last person you want reaching out to you out of the blue is your trainer, right? Because you're just worried that they're coming to you with bad news, something I happened. Text, or, I have a, Matt, Matt has a very strict rule. I can only, if I call him and it's not an emergency, I have to text him first and say, I'm going to call you. It's not an emergency. And then he'd be like, okay, and then I could call him. But if I call him and I forget to send that text, he's like, God, I told you don't do that to me. You're taking you're taking months off my life every time you call me without the little <laughs> prep text. The horse is okay. But within five minutes last week, I'm just hanging out. I get two texts, one from Miguel, one from – I'm worried, like, something's happened with our horses, and it's literally just Ray sending me a picture of Miguel without his shirt on playing volleyball and vice versa. I don't know what was going on, but – we need, we need people in the live chat comment on, on the right side of the screen. Do, do we want to see this picture? Guys, ladies, who cares? Whatever. doesn't matter. Uh, volleyball fans, whatever. If, you, if you're interested in seeing this great picture of Miguel and Ray, let us know. Uh, as we end the, part, the portion of the show here with Matt, uh, with, with Ray, Matt, sorry, anything else we want to uh, ask Ray about? Or Ray, anything, any thoughts about the Adelphi partnership and your relationship with Matt in general? I'm just really excited for 2023. I'm excited about our young prospects. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's a lot of fun having the whole group out. Even funny how one of the day it's just, you know, a bunch of great guys, you know, and this all together and, and pursuing this dream and in it for the right reasons. And it's just, um, you know, it's really rewarding on those days um, when, um, 
when we can put it all together and get the W. And you know what? It's nice to have everybody there. And and when we don't win, it's um, you know we enjoy our experience, and we're all there to uh, to uh, to have the, to have each other's backs and and know that there's the brighter days ahead. And you know, it's like a whole fa- it's like a family affair here. So it's um it's great, and um, just happy to be a part of it. Jim Jim Plyer is hoping to see a Top Gun. Like picture, right? Yeah. You're a young guy, but I'm assuming you know what we're talking about there. Those volleyball pictures like, from Top Gun. I was gonna say, there's like the meme of like what you feel like you look like when you play volleyball versus <laughs> exactly. what you really do. It's like me and Miguel think we're like, yeah, uh, Tom Cruise in that movie where, yeah, they're like playing in slow motion. Perfect. Really, we look like two idiots running around with chickens with like yeah, heads cut off. Yeah, I can, I, can confer, I can confirm for you, Jim, it looked nothing like Top Gun. Nothing <laughs> okay. in there. I, I wouldn't know, but I can speculate. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts for Ray and Ray? Thanks again, and we really look forward to seeing Certified Lover Boy in the Breeders' Cup Mile in uh, in nine months, ten months. <laughs> Matt, I just, just want to thank you for your time tonight, Ray. Thanks for everything that you do with the horses. You take phenomenal care of them, and obviously do a good job, you know, on the track as well. Uh, you know, getting them competitive and win races, and um, you know, as you were just kind of talking about, um, you know, the partners always enjoy visiting with you in the morning and, and the hospitality that you give to the partners is much appreciated. And, you know, just thanks for, uh, for everything that you do. Hopefully uh, more success in 2023. Let's go. Thanks, yeah. thanks a lot, Ray. Have a All great right, night. Really appreciate it, man. Look forward to seeing night. you again in person. Thanks, All right. Take guys. care, Ray. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Thank you. All righty. Thanks, Ray. All right. Ray was awesome. Uh, it's been a good, you know, long time with us, Matt, and uh, he's had a great job. And, you know, I think the horses know when they win, the partners we know when we win. There's, like, real good vibe right now with his barn overall, isn't there? Oh, for, for sure. Um, you know, look, Ray's, as you can tell, I mean, anybody you know that knows him or just watch this, you know, he's super easy to get along with. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's you know super hospitable to partners and, you know, just does a phenomenal job of making the experience fun, which is the, the most important part. We talked about that in the beginning. Um, you know, but he's, he's really coming into his own, you know, as a trainer and, and, um, you know, starting to get better horses now. And, um, you know, last year I think was, was his best year yet. Um, in a lot of ways, obviously on earnings, you showed that chart earlier, but, um, you know, he, he, he's definitely, I think a, a young trainer that's to be reckoned with, you know, over the next, you know, two, three, four years in here in New York, um, you know, you're competing with the best trainers in the world. Um, it's not easy. And, you know, he's, he's, held his own for a long time. And I think now he's kind of poised with the stock that he's getting and, and just kind of maturing in his training to, to really, you know, um, make some noise. So I'm excited to see that. Hopefully it's uh, with a couple of our horses, but uh, you know, we root for any horse that, uh, that Ray runs. Absolutely. We're excited to uh, see what he'll do in 2023 with the Adelphi horses. Now here's what we're going to do. Ladies and gentlemen out there, we have about a 30 minute, this is going to be perfect timing, Matt. We said about an hour and a half for the show. It'll be great. We have about a 30 minute video here of Miguel Clement. And I just want to make sure, just to, for, to be clear, um, this is a taped show. Uh, Miguel couldn't come on tonight, but we're very happy that he spent a good 30 minutes plus with Matt and myself um, taping. So this is a, a taped uh, interview that we're going to show. Matt, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to show the first 30 minutes. I'm going to jump back on right when at a certain point because then we're going to show a few minutes of some touts and some horses that he likes going forward in the next few weeks well there'll be a little a short break there and then we'll come back on just for 30 seconds and uh then we'll show the last two or three minutes of him wrapping up the interview with miguel so it's gonna be pretty much about 33 minutes total but ladies and gentlemen listening at home it's gonna be 30 minutes approximately straight of myself matt and miguel talking about 
the Adelphi horses. And Matt, before I start the video, is there anything you want to say about Miguel and the job they've done with our horses and Chris? Yeah, Clark, yeah. No, I mean, look, I think. Um... You know, you, you, I can't do uh, Christoph Clement justice in terms of talking about, you know, his accolades. He's, he's, you know, just simply one of the best trainers in the game. He's been at it here for 30 plus years in the U.S. Um, you know, he's never had a single uh, medication uh, issue. You know, the guy is just, you know, he's a phenomenal trainer. He's patient with the horses. You know, you see a lot of horses run. And we talked a little bit about this with Miguel. You see a lot of horses run at four, five, and six years old, you know, because of how patient they are with horses when they're younger. They bring them along the right way. They, you know, notice things earlier than other trainers might. Um, they just do a very, very good job. For a big, for a quote-unquote big barn, um, the attention to detail is, is amazing. Um, if you've never seen them train, I highly recommend you go watch them train in the morning. I mean, it's like a, I always call it like a symphony, and he's like a maestro, Christoph is conducting a symphony and, and, you know, Miguel is a, a, a super sharp guy. I think he's picked up a ton from his dad and um, he's got some really good ideas himself. He's very helpful. You know, when we're even just looking for horses to buy and things like that, coming up with creative ideas. And, you know, that's actually why we recorded this because he's uh, in Kentucky right now for the Keeneland sale. Um, so hopefully he's finding us a, a, a nice horse or two there maybe. Um, but uh, no, look, I, I, I can't say, you know, uh, better things about the Clements. They just do a really good job and, I'm happy to have our horses with them. And for those of you who aren't Adelphi partners that uh, maybe are more on the gambling or handicapping side uh, here, um, I do highly recommend, you know, you, you hang around and listen to uh, to some of the horses that he touts that they're going to run over the next several weeks. Um, I'll say I ask a lot of trainers, uh, you know, questions about their horses, who's going to run good, who's not going to run good. He's consistently the best tout that there is. Um, it's probably because he's the most by nature, pessimistic, uh, you know, a lot of trainers are positive and optimistic. and just think every horse is going to run good. That's not what you want when you're going to somebody for handicapping results, because, uh, you know, they're not all going to win. He's very realistic. He's, he's, um, you know, he's, he's just very good at, at touting horses. The horses that he touts that are working well are really working well. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success, you know, just between us, obviously, uh, taking his tips and, and playing them at the window. So, uh, hopefully he gives you some good stuff at the end of the, the this interview here. Well, one of the horses that he touted that already ran uh, did win. The Bated Breath uh, Philly on the turf did win. If you're a fan of Gulfstream Park, you the eight horse, uh, Breath Away, I believe was the name of the horse, won first time out. I think it paid $7 plus for the Clement Stable. So, again, we're going to play this video. Matt, we're, you and I are going to come back on screen approximately 9.33 Eastern Standard Time. We'll say a quick comment. We'll show the five-minute segment where he touts horses. We'll come back for a quick comment, and then we'll show his last two minutes and end the show. So, everyone, please hang tight. Please enjoy the next 30 minutes with myself, Matthew Terra, and most importantly, Miguel Clement, talking about many things, but especially the Adelphi Racing Club horses that the Clements train. Thanks for watching the show. Stay with us. You also might want to turn the volume up just a little bit because Miguel is a little bit soft-spoken and the volume is a little bit low. Enjoy the next half an hour, folks. Thank you very much. And now let's speak with one of the fantastic trainers for Adolfi Racing. We are very happy to have Mr. Miguel Clement with us tonight. Miguel, how are you doing tonight? Very good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, absolutely. Miguel, you've been on quite a roll, not only for Adelphi, but you know, uh, some other sales as well. Uh, some great stakes wins that you've, you know, had Miss J McKay city man. Uh, you gotta be feeling real good about where the, you know, the stable is at right now, especially your pace and strength. Yeah. And no, that's fun. Especially when this is usually our hibernation time of the year and they're running well and, uh, 
it's exciting, which is usually not a time of the year that we usually have much action. So it's, we're lucky. We're lucky and the horses are doing well. Well, Matt, of course, we're very happy to have, you know, a, a guy of, uh, of the quality of Miguel and, and Christophe Clement, you know, training some of the horses with the Delphi. I want to touch on a few uh, horses right off the start. Miguel, let's first talk uh, about community adjusted. Matt, when, before we show the replay of his win uh, in 2022 on June 17. Talk a little bit about the background with community adjusted, Matt, and then maybe Miguel can just piggyback off that. Yeah, no, this is obviously one of the, you know, the exciting purchases for Adelphi this year. Uh, one of two private purchases actually that we had on the year that, that won first out. So, uh, you know, that's always a good thing. Um, Miguel, you obviously trained the Philly uh, throughout her entire career and we got her, I guess, sort of second off the layoff uh, this year for our first start at, at Belmont, which I think is the replay you're going to show Howard, which, uh, you know, I guess we can watch as we talk, but, um, you know, just kind of curious, Miguel, about what you thought about that race. This this is a Philly that you'd always kind of explained to me uh, was one that kind of needed to be up and near the pace that she didn't have a huge turn of foot, but that she was a grinder that would kind of keep going. Um, you know, this was a nine for a long race uh, that day. And uh, I thought kind of everything came together, uh, you know, in, in terms of the, the setup in this race. So just was kind of curious what your thoughts were at the time after she sort of finally broke through in that first level allowance condition in this race. Yeah, listen, we were, uh, the week before that race, we were you know, unfortunately scratched from the running of the race. So the fact that we were able to redeem ourselves a week later was a blessing. Uh, she always has tactical speed for me, the Philly. She's sitting in third there in the earlier stages. She's got tactical speed. She doesn't have the best turn of foot, but she stays. She grinds. I do think a bit further might be better for her. I think she's probably suited to more mile and quarter. Um, mile three eighths, maybe, but she, she wants further than that. Even though it was a bit shorter in trip, uh, she showed tactical speed and a good turn of foot. Um, one right, she's fun, and not many fillies stay at that distance. So uh, as a result, um, her stamina makes her more effective at that type of trip. And Matt, she, what were she you thinking could... right here? Are you pretty confident right here, Matt? No, I, I thought we looked pretty good right here. I mean, Manny seemed pretty confident when he tipped her out. And, um, you know, you talked a bit about uh, her potentially being better going a little bit further, Miguel. And the gallop out here, I think, sort of got us all thinking, okay, maybe she could go a little bit further. Um, the next time we ran her up in Saratoga, um, moving up in class and that second level allowance, you, you did run her at 11 furlongs. She, she ran a nice third that day. Um, it was an oddly run race from a pace perspective. It was very slow early, um, you know, but uh, I'm just curious kind of what you thought after that. You know, you mentioned probably her ideal distance, maybe it's somewhere in between where, she, uh, you know, what she got at the Belmont race and, and what she got at the Saratoga race. Do you still think that that's the case? that a mile and a quarter is kind of really what she wants? Or do you think that, you know, we can look for races at a mile and three eighths in that kind of distance in 2023 potentially? Yeah, the, the it's not so much for distance to us. It's what's more what's written at the moment. So um, well, anything you have a mile and eighth or more is what race you have to aim her to. You don't have the option of saying, I want to run a mile and a half, mile three eighths, or mile and a quarter. It's really wherever she's based, whatever distance to write the race at, what you're going to have to partake in. If you run a mile and a half, you want it to be firm or on a, on a quicker turf course um, because I am a little bit suspect she wants to go far. And if she goes a mile and eighth, um, you probably want a little bit of cut in the ground and something to make it more, more endurance-like. She's really in between that. Um, she's versatile in the sense that she wants to go long. How long? Uh, it varies. Um, if you believe in numbers, it's, it's tough to tell because her race that she was, she ran so well, it started to go a mile three eighths. First race, I, I thought it was actually quite a good, strong race, if you believe in ratings. And then even her mile and eighth race, for instance, the one that she won at Ac or Belmont, 
Um, she beat an okay fit, the stalemate to the second. It was the favorite. She, she was a good fit, I feel like, called Lara. So, um, anything between a mile and eight to a mile and a half, if she's doing well, just you have to go for it. Unfortunately, the states you don't have the luxury of picking which one to go for. Anything you have in that circuit or in that range, you just have to go for it. And Matt, I'm absolutely shocked that there was a slow paced turf race in New York, but that was a great job there to keep you know community adjusted up close because we've seen so many times horses walk the dog there just as a handicapper that's something that you know we pay attention to and it's nice to have a a distance turf horse that can show some tactical speed because that's crucial in some of these races and, and miguel after that we ran her at colonial she went back down to a mile and an eighth in that race and she ran a nice second so to you know to your point clearly she's able to compete you know sort of in all those uh you know distances in between a mile and an eighth and a mile and three eighths um, after that, though, you know, we kind of had a frustrating fall uh, with her, um, which is really, uh, you know, not something particular to her, but I thought it might be interesting to kind of get your take on, you know, sort of fall turf racing in general in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Um, you know, we had a race uh, come off the turf and then we had uh, some races that we enter, not go and, and things like that. And then by the time we got to run her, uh, you know, she hadn't run in a couple months and, um, you know, she was probably, uh, you know, towards the end of her form cycle and, and just didn't run a very good race that day. Um, may, maybe just talk in general about sort of fall turf racing. Um, you know, we, we have a few, you know, turf horses in our stable and it's always just interesting to kind of hear trainers perspectives on, you know, how you got to be thinking about things as you get, you know, post Saratoga, um, you know, and into the fall in the Northeast with turf horses. Yeah. So last year was a bit different than normal. Um, we didn't run at Belmont. Usually Belmont takes two months of turf racing and then he moves to Aqueduct. And because we moved straight to Aqueduct and they know they're going to race at Aqueduct for the next, uh, some big winter time. They were very cautious with using the turf course, and it wasn't obvious. Um, it made the turf racing a bit awkward, more complicated. The distances were not always ideal for us. And um, in hindsight, I think we need to be, I thought the stable did a good job. We shipped horses run at you know, Woodbine last year, Colonial, um, Kentucky. We ran a lot of Kentucky Downs. I think for next year, because we're going to be in the same predicament with no Belmont Fall, we need to be more creative about thinking about um, where we're running these turf, turf horses, as I said, in the fall, especially. So I think you do need to consider Prescott. You do need to consider um, Turfway. Um, we need to consider more Woodbine, because it's not that far from Saratoga, a trip to Woodbine. And um, we need to be more creative. If you want to be able to run your turf horses in the, in the fall, you need to go for any opportunity you have, because it's not always uh, guaranteed. Now, this year, for instance, if you had no Belmont fall, you had no Churchill, you had also um, fairgrounds, but fairgrounds, we don't really partake in it much. And then to complicate things even more, you had no Gulfstream. Usually Gulfstream runs in October, November time on the grass. They didn't open uh, the turf course at Gulfstream until early December. So, I mean, you really struggled this year in the fall if you had a turf course. And um, it wasn't ideal, to be honest with you. It was a bit chaos, and we need to be clever and, you know, foreseeing this predicament for next year as well. No, it's an interesting learning, obviously, and something I guess we're going to have to think about in the summer, you know, as we kind of have turf horses, um, you know, in the stable, uh, you know, for next year, for this year, I guess I should say at this point. Um, just turning the, the page a little bit, um, you know, from community adjusted to a couple of the other horses, um, you know, Splashy was another horse we ran this year. Um, you guys are really familiar with Splashy's family. Um, so maybe just start the conversation talking a little bit about the filly in terms of uh, you know the family you've experienced uh, training a sibling and and you know your dad uh, owns and and bred splashy owns the mare bred splashy um you know just talk a little bit about kind of the philly in general 
um, in terms of the, the, the relationship that you guys have with the family. And then um, I know you were you were pretty pleased with how she was training going into her debut. Just kind of curious how she came to hand and what your thoughts of her were going into this race. Yeah, no, I like the Philly. Uh, I like the Philly. I'm biased because you know, I think we've read it, we followed it, so we, we thought about the mating, you know, three years ago, four years ago. So it's like a four-year, you know, event just to get to the races. But um, I, I like the Philly. I, I thought it was an oddly run race. I still don't know how to interpret it. The horses in front of her, we passed, and all the horses behind us in the running race passed us in the stretch. I still have not quite figured it out. She, that was a very she, odd race, to be honest with you. The, the, the front three all collapsed and crashed. We passed them, but we got overtaken by two of them from behind us. Um, I'm sure she'll have a benefit from the race. I'm sure she'll be a better three-year-old than two-year-old. I'm sure uh, there's plenty of upside. And um, and before her debut, actually, I liked her a lot. So uh, I don't know if the word disappointed or confused is the best word to describe her debut. Um, it was also a day I thought the racetrack was a bit odd. I think they ran the six frogs in one fourteen and change. Oh, there it is, one fourteen yeah. and two. Yeah. And um, it, it was a puzzling performance in the sense that I'm not sure how to read the interpret the race as much. Uh, but Philly's got talent. She worked well. Her her main work partner was another Philly I liked. So she's been working with two other Phillies. One of them went very impressively just the other day at Aqueduct. Uh, she's got enough quality about it. Plus, she's got the pedigree for it too. I mean, we're familiar with the mayor. Her half sister sold for the sale top right Saratoga a few years ago for seven hundred seventy-five thousand. She's um she's got a good page. She's got there's plenty of excitement to go on. And I know you and I talked. You and I sorry we talked about that race. I I thought it was better than it looked. I thought she was in tight. I thought on the top of the, at the top of the stretch she had a little run and then sort of got squeezed a little bit and they had to angle out on a track that was probably uh you know it was very slow. Actually, from a handicapping perspective and an ownership perspective. I was actually more encouraged than I thought I'd be just after I watched the race, to be honest. You know, and it's a shame that, uh, you know, that she didn't get to make a second start before the end of the year. Uh, You know, obviously, Miguel, she came up um, with a little swelling um, in the front right pass or um, I guess below the ankle or whatever. And um, we've shipped her down to to Kinsman and she's getting some time off and then she's going to get rescanned, I think, the middle of this month and and hopefully come back. Just kind of curious what you think the plan with her would be for this year, you know, how you bring a Philly like that back, you know, earlier in their three-year-old year. Um, do you treat them differently than an older horse? Um, just kind of, how do you approach that? No, it's simple. Um, soundness and well-being goes first. So whenever you detect anything with legs, I always take back with two-year-olds. So I'm not like older horses. I mean, if you squeeze lemon too much, they'll never keep growing into themselves. So two-year-olds always tend to be a touch more conservative. And uh, I love the aspect of giving them a break. No matter what they do, even if they're sound, after being in training, between bone bruising, density challenging, the more you stress them, the more you give them a break, they come back in theory, better sound, fresh horse, you can go on with them again. And plus, not even just the physical aspect, but there's also a mental aspect by doing it. So um, I'm a firm believer in giving them a break. She's in New York, bread. we're closing our New York operation. She wasn't perfect in legs, just take back. She was perfectly sound, but you should always take back. That's the reason why we check legs ourselves, you know. Um, being hands-on is to prevent issues from that, saying, hey, we should slow her down, back her off now, compared to I've got an issue, we have XYZ injury, and I'm out for a while. That's the reason why we check legs is to prevent, the, you know, the, the, the second part take place. So I like the Philly. You give her a break. You bring her back whenever she's ready. It's completely irrelevant how quickly she gets ready. She's already run once, so by having the race under her belt, she already knows everything. She knows gates, pony, race. You know, she gets the whole you know, 
she gets it all. It's, it's very quick. Once they've already had a race under the belt, you can get them back to the races a lot quicker than a horse who has not debuted. And um, she'll probably be with Emily at Kinsman Farm. She jogs, she'll gallop, she'll start by working. And whenever she's ready, probably by uh, mid-March, early March time, she'll ship back to New York and, um, and then we kick on from there. But it's easier to get them ready for the races from Florida, A, weather, and B, being on private facilities, a lot quicker we can get them to the races than being, for instance, in New York based in the wintertime. So uh, I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased that we sent her to Florida, and um, I'm biased because I've always liked her from before she even ran. But uh, uh, there's plenty of good things to come with after that. Well, but between Kinsman and and Payson, you obviously have two phenomenal facilities to get her ready at. So you know we're excited about that. And um, you know to your point, um, you, know, you guys have been extremely patient with younger horses, and I think. You know, to your to your credit, um, you know, if you just look at the statistics of the Clamont trained horses, not just the Delphi horses, but in general, you know, you guys get a lot more longevity out of your horses than some other trainers do, um, probably, you know, due to that approach. Um, and, you know, certainly as owners, it's much appreciated. Um, you know, horses are expensive investments for us. And, um, you know, it's good to have them looked after in a way that, that uh, you know, can lead to, to long careers and, um, you know, better chance to be successful at the track. So we appreciate that. Um, you know, kind of, kind of probably a good transition to a couple of the other horses, um, you know, some newly turned three-year-olds that haven't debuted yet. Um, the first one I think probably makes sense to talk about is Gotham Gray, because um, she's been down with you now for a little while at Payson. Um, you know, you had her in the summer at Saratoga, um, you know, to the patient approach uh, point, you know, we, we kicked her out for the, the summer um, during the Saratoga season, just gave her a little time to grow up. Um, it seems like she's come back and, and grown into a, a, a much better horse physically. And um, I think she's about six works in now, um, you know, since she's been back. And, um, you know, again, you're, you're, uh, I know when you say good things about a horse in the morning that you mean it because you're more critical than most. And, um, you know, you said some nice stuff about her last work. So it seems like her last work was her best um, this past week. So I'm just kind of curious how she's doing, what your thoughts are on her and, and kind of what the plan will be with her over the next month or so to get her uh, ready for her debut. Yeah, no, the filly's doing well at the moment. I'm happy. I'm happy with her. She's very straightforward. She's done nothing wrong. She's perfectly sound. She's uh, very easy to train. Her last work was her best work to date. I think she worked at 492 out like in uh, one or two and change. That's the picture of her taken a while ago. Actually, I could recognize the Kinsman background. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I'm pleased with the filly. She looks well. And um, if she's a turf sprinter, do we run her once here in Florida and then stop on her and bring her back to New York when the turf season takes place in April time? I'd love to get her to the races. Or is she dirts and you run her once in New York? I'm not sure of that one right now, but she's not a long way away. Let's uh, identify the surface. If she's dirts, we can ship her to New York, run, and then keep her there type of thing in the wintertime and go to races. And if she's turf, we run her once down here, and then we ship her up to uh, New York to run the next time the, the turf season takes place there. So, um, But she's getting, coming to hand very quickly. I'm happy with the Philly. And um, she's showing more on her works now than she was in the summer or in the fall, which is a good sign. Good. Um, moving on to, I guess, another gray, uh, Magistrate. Um, we've got two grays with you now down at Payson. Um, you know, Magistrate's a, a, a newly turned three-year-old colt. Um, completely different physical than the Philly. Um, big, uh, rangy horse. Um, can you talk maybe just a little bit about, um, in general, how you bring along you know, sort of the, the more compact, precocious looking two-year-olds versus the sort of bigger, you know, sort of uh, time will do them good and, and distance is probably in their future type two-year-olds. Yeah, it's very much what they're able to do. You can, you want to squeeze a two-year-old as much as they're willing to do without doing too much. So if they're supposed to be precocious, you strike when their iron's hot. If they're supposed to develop with time, you look after them. 
if they're completely backwards and need to uh, all the time in the world, you look after them, especially carefully at the age of two and even beginning to three-year-old, and you wait them to grow into their friend. He would fit in the latter aspect in the sense that he needs all the time in the world. He's beautiful the horse. He's backwards in the sense of mentally and physically. He's developing. He's still growing. With me, he's, he's growing all the time. Even now, he's still growing. Um, he's not even in his shape yet. He's still growing into his shape. He's not quite, you know, serping the muscle tone around his final product because he's still growing. Um, it's different in the sense that you want to strike as much as um, they're going to do. He was not giving me the sense that you want to go on with them and be aggressive. He was still developing. He was still learning. His legs, they were still moving in the sense that every time you stressed it, he was a bit busy and a bit reactive. So you want to take back a little bit and see which way it goes. And there's other horses when you come, you know, April time or May time with us, they say, kick on, I can do it all. And you just kick on and you'd be very quickly. Um, and you have to be careful also mentally and physically that they always correspond. You know, a horse might be physically advanced, but mentally he's not there to do it. Or the horse is mentally advanced, but physically he's not there. He wants to do it faster, but he's not there physically yet to do it. So you have to gauge yourself. It's not uh, an exact science. Um, but he, he gave me all the signs that he wants to be later developing and that we won't have a good opinion on him until basically the spring of his thrill life because he's still growing into himself and he's still figuring everything out slowly. Whereas Gotham Gray, for instance, she was very good mentally. She was perfect mentally from day one. She came into hand very quickly. And I just thought her work, she plateaued a bit. And um, I thought she had more quality about her than the work she was showing, which it just shows you sometimes you have to give him a chance. You know, we stopped on her, we gave her a break. We brought her back slowly, and now she's working very well. The other day, she worked in 492. She outworked a good filly, or actually a good colt that my dad actually likes a lot. It's an empire maker that I like, which surprised me. And um, now she's doing well. You just have to let them develop in their own accord. And you can never judge a horse until you give them a fair opportunity to do so. Either they're mentally in the right place, state of mind, physically, are they at the right time of the year where you can stress them to have a good opinion on them? Are they on the right surface in order for you to engage them properly? You know, horses change with time. It's, they're not guaranteed. You know, even with us, middle school, high school, college sports, and then uh, professional athletes, we, we, they all fluctuate throughout time. You know, I'm not saying the best middle school is going to be the best high school is going to be the best college athletes. I mean, you might have one case of LeBron James, but a lot of times it fluctuates. Same with horses. You have to give them a, be patient and um, and look after them. And um, and they tell you, they give you the signs of when you could go on with them and stress them or not. Miguel, I just—I'm sorry, man. If I had a quick question, um, uh, Miguel, my brother and I have a a, a decent-sized fractional ownership of a magistrate, Matt. And we're very happy, um, you know, with, with that he's progressing. I know he's had a few minor, you know, setbacks there and there because of his size and whatnot. Uh, when I saw you down at Gulfstream uh, a few weeks ago, Miguel, you mentioned that um, he's been, you know, jogging, working on the on the turf. Uh, a little bit also, but you think that he probably will be uh, a dirt horse, although we're not quite sure yet. Magistrate, I'm referring to. Yeah, I hope so. I would love to have a good dirt horse again. I haven't had a good one since maybe Thomas, to be completely honest with you. Um, so, and the money, unfortunately, it's in dirt racing, and but they cost more. So uh, that's probably why we don't have as many opportunities as other outfits of our size. It's because we don't train for many individuals that try to make stallions. We train for a lot of owner breeders or a lot of owners from Europe. Um, as a result, we get a lot of Philly sent to us, which is great. So you're always sure that the barn's full, regardless of how well you do the sales. But on the flip side, we don't have many exciting dirt prospects. And it's not us that decides. It's unfortunately the horses. And it, I think it's too early to tell. I think sometimes you can really tell when they're at a certain level of fitness where you can gauge them, how they move on the grass compared to how they move on the dirt. Um, 
and it still works. Once you get them to a half mile fit, galloping at five eighths, then you quickly weave which one can go on with it on dirt and which ones are probably not their uh, preferred surface. Um, every horse can run on dirt. The question is just how well they can run over it. So, um, so that's where you also have to compare and contrast which surface is better. And also sometimes, uh, you know, in terms of um, logistics, sometimes, uh, as you saw in the fall in New York, we don't have the opportunity to surf and we ran some on dirt, some ran poorly, and some actually handled a bit better than we thought we would. So um, you always have to keep an open eye. We'll, we'll keep the we'll keep the faith with uh, with magistrate. And hopefully, some time and, and the Florida Sun does him well this winter, and uh, hopefully, you guys can get him um, you know to where he needs to be, to where we get that fair shot that you talked about, uh, to see what he's got. Um, just real quickly, moving on to one final horse that uh, that is in training with you or has been in training with you uh, over the last year. Um, that's getting a little bit of a winter break. Uh, another newly turned three year old, better lucky than good. Um, he joined uh, you up in Saratoga. Um, I think right at the end of the the, the meet, but uh, was with you for most of the fall. Um, you know, he seemed to be one um, that you liked quite a bit. You thought was working well. Um, although I guess in his last work, which you thought was a pretty good one, if I remember correctly, um, he kind of came out of it a little sore behind. And um, another example of of being patient, and just kind of doing right by the horse. Um, you, you recommended that we give him a little bit of a winter break. Um, we sent him over uh, to in front uh, training center. He's he's just kind of been walking. Um, for the last, uh, you know, 75 to 85 days. Um, and I guess I'll get back under tack there um, in the next month or so, and then uh, kind of kick on to rejoin your farm when or your stable when you come back up north. Um, just talk a little bit about him, what you saw before we, we put him away for the winter, um, and what your thoughts are in general about him um, as we go into his three-year-old year and he comes back into training. Yeah, he's a very good mover. Uh, I'm not sure if his preferred surface, because he does handles both surfaces quite efficiently. Uh, I, I liked him. He had a good work with me. The the horse he's been working with actually um, debuted and ran well, so that's an encouraging sign for him. Uh, his last work was his best work to date. It was his gate work. I remember very well the work. It was a good work for him. I think the work came out at like 492 from the gates, but I think he worked a lot quicker than that. I just I couldn't deal with that. He, um, he did it very easily, to be honest. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I always thought he's a good mover. He put two and two together. It was good work. He came back afterwards jogging on the road. And I didn't think he was moving as well as he should have behind. He wasn't lame per se, but he was stiffer than he should have been. And he um, was sore. I thought he was stiff and sore. And when they change gates dramatically overnight, you always worry with two-year-olds that you're dealing with maybe a stress fracture or something that's more severe than just the usual you know, stiffness or muscle stiffness. So... Um, it wasn't lame. Uh, regardless of how many times I drugged him on the road, I, I did my lamest exam. I backed off of him. I jogged him for about a week. And after a week of jogging, I didn't think he was moving as well as he was previous to the work. So with two-year-olds, you always have to look after them. When they give you the signs, horses are great. They're not like human athletes. Human athletes, if you, you, know, you want to play, it doesn't matter if you're in pain or not. You say you want to play. or you know. Horses are very straightforward. They have no reason to ever lie to you. So they don't feel 100%. They give you the signs. It's just your job to see the signs. You, you hope that they always feel great and they're 100% and this, that, the other, but they give you the signs. So unfortunately, when you see a sign that doesn't match with what you see with them training beforehand, you have to um, be aware of it and act on it. It's Because uh, since they can't speak to you, you have to basically uh, deduce what you gathered from all the information you have around you. So I thought it would be best for him to stop on them. Um, because we're not there in the winter time, I thought it made sense to give him 90 days complete break. Uh, it's annoying because we were very fair to him in the sense that after we bought him the sales, we gave him a break after the sales to be nice. 
And, um, and in that case, we were not rewarded with the patience we gave them, but hopefully rewards us more as the three-year-olds by being nice and um, patient on them and not going on with them when I didn't think it was moving as well as he should have been. Well, he's certainly bred to to be better as he gets older. So, you know, like you said, hopefully uh, patience pays off. And, um, you know, it's exciting look to have, uh, you know, a few horses um, that, um, you know, we, we did, I think, the right thing with last year. And, and um, you know, uh, it's always good to hear, you know, that they, they've worked well. And uh, one of the interesting things about having horses in the Clamont barn just for partners, um, you know, is edification is, is uh, you know, you, you have a good uh, bar, um, you know, when you work horses, you, you know, you work so many different horses together, you run so many different horses, you guys have a lot of two-year-olds, so you can get a good gauge kind of on, you know, how horses are progressing, you know, if they're talented or not. Um, whereas, you know, with some smaller barns, you know, you don't necessarily get that right. Uh, a smaller trainer uh, might do a phenomenal job, but only have a few, uh, you know, two-year-olds, early season, three-year-olds, and so you have less of a barometer. Um, so I always, you know, feel more confident when Miguel uh, and Christoph, um, you know, give us feedback sort of on how horses are doing um, in relation to other horses in their barn, because they've got, you know, sort of a good sample size, um, you know, from that standpoint. Matt, just in the closing minute that we have here, did you want to touch on any of the, uh, yearlings that um the, the command stable is uh working on right now yeah Miguel, we, we i thought we had a pretty good uh you know yearlings uh, buying season in a, a pretty challenging uh buyer's market this year uh, certainly a seller's market um you know the yearling sales um we were able to buy uh, a tonalist philly and an arrogate uh, uh originally with you guys at the uh, saratoga new york bread sale and then um, we were able to get the the uh, kittens joy colt um, the full brother at a Sadler's Joy. Uh, um, yeah, at, at the Keeneland sale. Maybe just talk a little bit about those three. And, um, you know, I know it's a little early, um, but just your sort of initial assessments of them and and what we can expect from them over the next uh, couple months is sort of they progress towards, you know, joining your barn at some point in 2023. So the good news of the three babies is that no one did anything that would jeopardize their future racing career, which unfortunately can't always be said about all horses when you purchase them. They've been well behaved, they have no issues, and that's um that's the good news. Uh so the dream is very much alive for the three of them. The the kitten's joy, I think his name is Robert. He's a, a foal to a salary's joy. The family has beaten us for years, so I'm delighted we could acquire it into this one. Um if he's anything like his siblings, you know, the, the, the pedigree is massive. I think he's half to four black type horses. Um he's got that's him there. He is he, a beautiful colt. He's um He's got the pedigree to be major. He's got the the presence, the physique. He's um is exciting. He's one of my most exciting turf horses, to be honest with you, for next year. Is he turf? I would say most likely. Let's not get ourselves. Um, but I, I like them. There's a lot of, a lot of quality about him. Uh, the breeders actually love them too, so they stayed in for us, and um, I'm excited about that. He's uh you know we we ran against Sellers Joys for years, and many of the family we ran against all the time. And um, and the dam produces a lot of good horses. So uh, it's without that, you have to be excited. You got the toneless filly. Toneless is he's a deceptively good selling. I know that he must be a good selling because every breeder, and as well as a lot of the agents, asks us about our breeding rights to the stallion. So when they're not doing so well, that it goes quiet. And at the moment, I think we like six or seven times sold over our breeding shares in the stallion. So uh, you know he's doing well. I guess country grammar is very hot at the moment. The stats are sneaky good in the sense that he outproduces the mares he's been brought to. Um, I'm excited enough. This one is a bit odd in the sense that it didn't look like a lot of the other toneless that we trained in the stables. This one picked more like uh, from a mare side. I believe the mare is by Spicetown. She looked a lot more like a Spicetown than a tonalist. Um, but I liked her. I, we picked her at Saratoga. I, I liked her. There's a lot of quality about it. 
Uh, I was pleased enough. And then the last one's an arrogate, which we know the family from, because because um, one of the good Dick Leahy families, believe it or not. So we have a lot of the family members in there. And um, I, I thought he was very well bought. I, I was surprised we got him at the price. Considering there was another arrogate I liked a lot that sold, there's a sale topper that was bred by Dan Burke for I think 700,000 of the same sale. Uh, I was surprised we were able to afford him within that price range. Was it because he was a wriggling that affected the price? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm happy. He's strong, he's beautiful, he's a very good mover. He's one of my more exciting colts I have at the farm. Um, if you ask Emily today, out of all her favorite horses at the farm, uh, Emily who works at Kinsman, she would, uh, I think without getting her in too much trouble, she would probably pick him, uh, the last one, the arrogate. I don't know what that means for all my others there, but, um, but at least, uh, and I don't know what it means in terms of how accurate she is or not, but at least, you know, he is her favorite at the, at the early stage. And Eric, it's, he's been okay at this time. He's, um, he's not as well backed as because he's no longer with us, but uh, his stats have been, um, have been strong enough. They've been strong enough where he could produce us a good horse. And the female line is a very good family. So uh, no, the, the future is bright, and I'm excited for all three of them. And I'll hopefully get to see them in the coming weeks at, uh, and track their development. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll definitely take the uh, any compliments we can get from Emily. Um, they're always welcome. And, and compliments from you too, Miguel, are always welcome. Um, I, I guess maybe before we let you go, um, I try not to say too many nice things about you because I don't want it to go to your head. But uh, one thing I do always tell people about you is that you're a good tout for a trainer. You know, some trainers like their they basically like every horse that they run, and you're you're pretty honest about the horses that you run. So on a uh, on a gambling podcast network, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if you had any horses that uh, you want to tout uh, over the coming weeks, uh, maybe leading into Pegasus or Pegasus Day, like just uh, bets that uh, the Adelphi partners or anybody else who's watching can. Uh, can maybe make. All right, so uh, I'm back here with Matt Cutter. Matt, we're, I don't want to bury the lead because we are going to uh, show those horses that Miguel's going to tout. The issue, of course, as you know, is he touted some horses that already ran this past weekend. Uh, one he wasn't sure about, lost. One he loved, uh, breath away one. So like you said, he's an honest tout and I just want to stop it here and, and tell everyone, I'm sure you'd agree, get those paper, get the paper out. I feel like I'm, I'm putting my teacher hat on, get, get your paper out, get your pens and pencils out, Matt, cause he's going to give you some horses that he really likes going forward the next few weeks. No, and it's fun too. Cause the way Miguel talks about his horses in terms of, you know, I've got this arrogate and I've got this, what you know, whatever, you're going to have to kind of do a little bit of investigative reporting, so to speak, and maybe find some of these horses in the, in the entries or, you know, on the work tab or whatever, and try to match, you know, what he said to, to certain horses. But uh, no, like he, I said it before, I said it, I think right before you cut it off, like he's, he's the best out of any trainer I've had. So um, I, I trust his opinions, especially on younger. I kind of like blowing uh, out of Andros. Uh, oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean. To, oh, I don't know if you could hear that or not. Sorry, I don't think you could. Um, I'm just fast forwarding to uh, um, the part we need to get to. I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead and finish your I'm thought. Convinced they're both better horses on surf than I, I can hear it. I don't know if it's just me that's hearing it or if it's going. Okay, out, I'll just, um, I'll go ahead and mute it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No. So. So, so uh, yeah, look, I, 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 uh, you saw it, as you said, in the couple of horses that he talked about, um, you know, that already ran over the weekend. Cause again, we taped the interview on Friday. He was pretty spot on, you know, he's not always right, but, uh, he's again, he's the best of, uh, of the trainers that I've talked to in terms of kind of knowing who's going to run well and who's not. So definitely worth a listen. And like you said, get your pens out and 
you know, you're gonna have to make some notes and you've got some stuff maybe to go, go with over the next few weeks based on the number of horses that he talked about, you know, some, some that probably don't even have races picked out, you know, yet. Um, Absolutely. He, he's eye on. All right. So here's Miguel guys for just about another five more minutes, everyone. And if you don't, if you can't write everything down, you can re-listen to the show. Here's Miguel Clement talking about some horses he likes in his barn. Not, these are not Adelphi horses in general, uh, in general, but they will give you some money at the windows coming up here, mainly at Gulfstream and Tampa. Here's Miguel Clement once again. There you go. So that means for next week's entries, which ones I like the most, I've got an English Channel quote, uh, three-year-old, I think is quite nice, for uh, Calumet. Uh, he's been working well. He's been working well. There's a potential race for him, I think, on the, um, pretty sure it's the 21st, the 22nd. It's, I'm um, pretty sure it's the 21st. Uh, mile 16th, I've already booked Joel for him, so I, I, I like him. He, he's okay. His um, name is Farbridge. You've got another one for Ever Dobson, Furster, that I like a lot. It's by Lope de Vega from uh, first time out from Europe. He's been working very well. I think I want to go further with him. So there's going to be a mile and eighth maiden, I think, around February 11th or 11th, 11th or 12th. It's not in the book. It's in the next book. But uh, I'm pretty sure that's the dates because uh, I heard through the grapevines. So that's what we're getting ready for. And um, and then in terms of Pegasus, yeah, it's very exciting. It's a tough race, though. I think there's like five or six of our horses. Uh, we've got two, Decker Innovator and City Man. Um, who, by the way, both horses, they're six-year-olds now. They've both been in the stable at two. So that's the whole point of giving them a break every winter and looking after them. When they're not moving as well, you stop, you take, you look after them. Who said the horses should not be their best at the ages of two or three? They could be City Man was a very good two-year-old. He won stakes for us as a two-year-old. He actually won stakes on the dirt for us as a two-year-old. And then he won stakes for us on the, you know, as a three-year-old. And then as a four-year-old, he was very good for us last year, where he was nearly the New York Red Sheriff champion. And then his last season as a five-year-old was his best yet, where he won, you know, five stakes, including three graded stakes against Open Company. Um, you know, horses improve. So why can't they be a better five-year-old than four-year-old? And who said he can't have a big six-year-old? You know, if he wins the Pegasus, I guess he would say his best year to date would be him running as a six-year-old more than anything else, like, like Gufo. So it's very important that, you know, you look after the longevity of their careers. You do everything you can to maximize them in terms of their future. But um, if you ask me about three firsters, because I guess when horses are proven, we already know everything about them. You know, telling you I like City Man, that there's no secret. And I think we're running against like some of the best turf horses in the country. So there's not much um, City Man and Decker Invader, they're already exposed. So I guess the firsters would be what this uh, betting podcast would be more appreciative about hearing. So uh, for the betting audience, uh, I think Mondego, uh, Farbridge, and I also have a Justify kind of like. Just about, I'm going to run on the long on dirt, but he's been working well called Champagne One. Those would be probably the three two-year-olds, or three-year-olds now, who have, um, we're going to debut in the next two or three weeks. They've been actually working uh, above average in the sense of uh, our stable stand-wise. I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. If this Philly gets beat first, I'm not, uh, I already told Matt and Joe, don't call me, don't annoy me, because I'll be in a very foul mood. I've already told Acacia maybe to avoid me at all costs for the rest of the night. Is that I've got a I've got a three old filly I like a lot. It's called um, Love Appeals. She's by uh, by Spitestown. Um, she's a homebred of Moigler actually. We trained the family, and um, I've always liked it. Maybe I'm biased. Sometimes when you get attached to one and you have them under your care for a while, you're biased. I know you shouldn't say this. I guess parents should say this too. You have favorite children, I suppose. You know, you're not supposed to be biased, but we all do without admitting it. Um, but I'm, I'm slightly biased, but I like the filly a lot. She's quick. I think she's five furlongs turf and. Um, 
every time I stress her, she takes it and she wants more and she goes for it. Stop their bourgeois setbacks, very minor, just health-wise. There's nothing else, just prevention, you know, because we're being very cautious with it. But in the summer, I liked her a lot. She was probably one of my favorite girls, if not my favorite girl. So um, she's getting closer to her debut now. Man, I think a lot of people are going to be replaying uh, this conversation when uh, they see the Clement part with uh, a maiden special weight a horse at Tampa or uh, Gulshing for sure. And the ride, by the way, that Joel, Joel Rosario gave City Man, Miguel, was absolutely spectacular. And I want to personally thank you on behalf of the HHH Racing Podcast. We are all over City Man, despite the fact you had small concerns about the fact that he had not run over the turf and that he was getting 126 and Colonel Liam was getting 123, which is crazy, but... It is a bit ridiculous. The horse wins the grade one Pegasus turf. I mean, I was a bit vocal about it, and I still think to this moment, I think it's a bit ridiculous. The ra the race was poorly written, and I, sh I shouldn't say this out loud, but I did. Decorated Vader was on the AE. I still think that's a, like an atrocious crime when you had horses who were struggling in allowance races in the body of the race. First yeah. Time. And then you had City Man, who was giving three pounds to Colonel Liam, who Colonel Liam won, you know, in January of last year, so within less than a calendar year, he won uh, the grade one Pegasus Turf. And then you're dealing with City Man, who was only a multiple grade three winner, giving him weight. Uh, I thought it was a poorly written race condition. It didn't make sense. Uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a bit unfair. But that's what good horses do. They overcome everything. And, um, you know, Joel rides them brilliantly well. If you look at the record together, uh, they've been very, very, very potent combination, the two of them together. So, Matt, that was Miguel talking about decorated Vader, Vader and City Man. And, you know, the, the guy wins a grade uh, grade two of the Fort Lauderdale and still complains about the weight. But, you know, when you're talking about inches, I've never been a weight guy myself. But listen, I'm not a trainer, so how the hell would I know? But, you know, uh, when you're talking about millimeters between winning and losing, I suppose everything matters, right? <laughs> I, well, I mean, again, I you know, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I think that's a good, you know, sort of viewpoint into how Miguel – you know, looks at things. He's, he's very critical. Um, I, I kind of, as we were watching him talk about some horses, I, I wrote down, he said, he said, he's okay about a horse. And he said above average about a few horses and Miguel speak above average probably means really, really good. And uh, he's okay. Probably means he's pretty good. You know, like you've kind of got to go up, uh, up a notch or two from what he, you know, what he says, he's, he's overly critical. And, and um, you know, I think it's probably, you know, that attention to detail and that criticalness is, is probably why they're so successful at what they do in terms of, you know, getting horses to perform at the highest levels. Well, funny enough, I told you a story when I was down there at Gulfstream and, and saw Miguel and I asked him well, about a first time start and he was like, eh, he's a bit wishy-washy. And I moved him down from an A to a B on my ABC uh, ticket maker, for those who are familiar. And what does he do? He wins at like seven to two uh, for West Point. And uh, anyway, so uh, you when he loves a horse and he mentioned a few horses he really likes, look out, uh, look out there, Matt. So uh, we, we have literally about two more minutes. I'm just going to show the last two minutes with Miguel and Matt will come back on and wrap up the show. This is Miguel and myself and Matt just closing out his interview that we did on Friday. Uh, for Miguel, the, the come on sale, we are just so honored and privileged to have these, you know, great horsemen uh, as part of the partnership. Yeah, no, we really appreciate Miguel, the, the partnership. Um, I know all the partners that, that get to come out to the, the barn in the morning and, and, you know, hang out with you and see the horses train and all that sort of stuff. Appreciate, you know, the hospitality that you show everybody and, 
um, you guys are just class acts and it's much appreciated. So thank you very much. And hopefully, uh, you know, some more success in 2023. No, thank you very much. That's what racing all is about. It's about to have fun and um, hopefully get lucky. And uh, that's what racing is all about. You know? Great. Yeah, well, thanks again. a lot. We really appreciate it. Take care. Good luck. Good luck in the coming weeks. Uh, Matt, I'll tell you what, Adelphi is blessed, truly, to have unbelievable horsemen, great trainers. Miguel's just another one. And they're fun guys, too, himself and, and Ray. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it's a um, it's a great industry, right? I mean, you know this, obviously, from from getting more involved over the last you know several years with your podcast and then you know some of the ownership stuff and i've hung out with you at you know some of the bigger events now whether it's you know the belmont stakes or pegasus or you know the breeders cup or whatever um you know it's just a good industry there's a lot of good people um you know but when you're you know buying expensive animals and you're trying to you know win races and and you know do the right things by those animals you, you've got to you know really be critical about who you work with and you know, I think that, uh, you know, the word you used blessed, I think is probably the right word. You know, we've, we've managed to align ourselves, I think with some really good people who, who do right by the horses, uh, first and foremost, um, you know, have success on the track secondly, and then, you know, outside of that, um, you know, make the experience fun for everybody. And, you know, those are the three things that, uh, you know, if we, if we check all those boxes, uh, you know, I'm happy and uh, I know most of the partners are happy too. So, you know, we're definitely lucky. Matt, as we end the show, I know you want a few things that you want to plug coming up. But before you do that, I want to say two quick things. Again, on the scroll, we've had a scroll on the bottom of the screen. If you want to get in touch with Matt Cutera and Delphi Racing, because I know there's going to be some ownership opportunities coming up uh, relatively soon. Matt will talk about that. Look at all the information below the video player. Matt is very responsive. He'll get back to you right away. I have firsthand knowledge of that uh, as well. And um, also... I know that you wanted, uh, in terms of going forward on this podcast, uh, Matt and Adelphi Racing has re-upped um, a deal with us for sponsorship. So, Matt, on behalf of myself and definitely uh, Pete Visco, Paul Halloran, my other co-hosts and people that work uh, behind the scenes, which is a very small and select amount of people, we want to thank you because most of our revenue comes from people like yourself and sponsorships and our tip sheet because it's very hard to make money on youtube just from views alone so we all want to thank you for ringing up and you're gonna see a lot more um advertisements here about adelphi in 2023 on this podcast and also some features as well that's our pleasure you guys do a great job um you know it's a fun and entertaining show uh, i come here to get some some tips from time to time when i need to uh try to put in a pick five ticket here or there um and you guys always have some good thoughts on, on horses. And, and, uh, so that's much appreciated, but, uh, you know, we definitely are, are excited about continuing the partnership, excited to have you involved in the, uh, you know, in the horses. And, um, you know, we talked about several of them today. I think you got a, a lot of exciting stuff coming up on, on your own personal stable side of things, which I'm excited about as well. So, uh, onward and upward in 2023 for sure. Very excited as you were talking, I'm trying to look at how many, horses i actually have a slice of now this is not that's, bragging because never, like i said no, some of them are some of them are small percent so i'm not trying to say i'm mr Moneybags here but uh one two three i think it's about six i'm up to now matt be, based on certain situations you know why so yeah yeah no this is a while ago this my wife said to me she asked me you know how many horses do you have and i couldn't remember the number i mean this is a long time ago I, I really couldn't remember the number now but it was a long time ago i said i couldn't remember the number she's like well that now you know you've got too many <laughs> if you can't you remember go. how many you have but yeah 
but uh, no, look, they're they're fun to collect, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Matt, I know it's there's always- a few things you want to plug for the partners and other people as well as we wrap up the show here. Yeah, no, just uh, a couple th- quick things. Number one, um, we actually just updated our website, um, kind of remodeled it, and uh, we're relaunching it. Um, it's live now. I'm going to send a note out to all the partners tomorrow. Um, just a lot of new stuff on the site. Um, it's more updated. Um, and I think a lot of the partners will be excited to know um, that we've added a ARC store, Delphi Racing Club store, where you're going to be able to get merchandise, um, you know, shirts, polos, uh you know, quarter zips, things like that. Um, there's a couple things available right now for free for partners only. Um, I'll be sending out a note again on that tomorrow. Um, and uh, no, just ex- excited about, uh, you know, getting the website, um, you know, in a, in a little bit better shape for 2023. It's a little bit of a New Year's resolution for me. So uh, happy to have that uh, launching early in, in 2023. Uh, again, if you're a partner, all the details will come to you tomorrow uh, via email and uh, you'll be able to check some of that stuff out. And then, uh, you know, the second thing is it just, you know, ironically, actually, between uh, when we taped the interview with Miguel on Friday and when we're doing this show today, um, we've actually acquired uh, two new horses um, that I'm going to be uh, sending out for uh, syndication and for partners to get involved with um, tomorrow and, and into early next week. Um, one of them um, was a, a, a small interest a private purchase in an unraced uh, three-year-old into mischief Philly uh, who's going to debut uh, on Sunday. Um, so for those of you that are on our email list, et cetera, you'll get uh, a note about her tomorrow. We have very limited interest in this Philly. We could only uh, wrestle a small percentage away from uh, from the owners um, of her. Uh, this is a Philly trained by Rob Falcone. Um, I've seen her uh, work a couple times. I've talked to uh, uh, several people around the racetrack, including our Bloodstock agent, Joe Migliori, who's seen her work and um, some other trainers actually beyond Rob who have commented on, you know, how she's worked in the morning. You never know with these types, right? You know, they've never, they haven't run before. So, um, you know, you got to see it in the afternoon, but she's definitely, uh, uh, you know, showing some, some ability in the morning. So I'm excited to see her debut on Sunday and hopefully get a couple of partners involved um, with her. Again, I'll put that out tomorrow. Um, if you're just watching the races, uh, she's going to hopefully run on Sunday in the Philly Maiden and Special Weight Open Company race. Um, she's the into mischief with the giant uh, white blaze. You can't miss her uh, on the track. Um, and uh, we're excited to work with Rob Falcone. I think he's still our winningest trainer. We're, we're one for one lifetime with Rob. Um, the horse got claimed. Um, we want to race at Santa Anita. So, um, you know, Rob, Rob's batting 100% with us so far. So hopefully he can keep that up uh, on Sunday. But I'm excited about this, uh, this Philly. And then um, we purchased uh, another filly out of the Keeneland January sale. We mentioned that earlier. That that's where Miguel is. Um, there's a, a horses of or basically a horses of all age sale um, right now going on at Keeneland in Lexington. And um, we purchased a filly. Uh, she's a turf filly. Uh, she's it's a little bit more of a riskier play, but we bought her for a very um, low price point, um, more of a high risk, high reward. Um, but again, at a low price point type of a type of a play. Um, she's a turf filly coming off of a little bit of an injury, but uh, was cleared by a couple of our vets. We took some ultrasounds, kind of did some extra work there. We feel comfortable that she's got a good chance to come back. Um, you know, she's one of these types that if she comes back um, in good order and stays sound, she'll be an allowance filly. Uh, she's a New York red. Um, she was actually running competitively, finished second by a head and a neck in open company, uh, first level allowance races. So she was running out of condition last year. Um, because the previous trainer wanted to run her uh, longer on the turf. 
Um, we're going to bring her back, you know, try to uh, get her to be a, a New York bread allowance filly um, this spring and summer. Uh, she'll be trained by uh, Christophe Clement. You know, as I mentioned, she's coming off an injury, but she, uh, she's ready to go back into training. So she shipped today down to Kinsman Farm. Um, she'll get a week or two off there before the turf horses start back the early part of February. And then um, she'll go over to Payson uh, to the Clement string and hopefully, uh, you know, she stays sound and we can have some fun with her. So she'll be, you know, for the partners that have gotten involved in a lot of different horses with us, she'll be more of like a, a value play, you know, lower price point, um, a little bit more risk. You know, we're always transparent here about kind of the horses. The, the angle here is a little bit more, you know, risky from a, a soundness standpoint, but there's a lot of upside if, if she can, uh, you know, stay sound. And you'll see kind of why I'm kind of framing it that way when, uh, when we send out the offering later this week or early next week. Um, but should, we'll look for her, obviously, to race at the beginning of turf season. So we got a little bit of time. The other filly, uh, hopefully we uh, we enter her tomorrow and, and run her on Sunday. So some immediate action as well for some partners. Very exciting. Well, listen, Matt, we really appreciate all your time. Let me grab this uh, this bottle of wine that you sent. And I'm waiting. You're probably waiting. Why isn't he cracked this open? I'm waiting for the next win. So those of you that are at home, ra- raise your glasses, raise the bottles to uh, Matt Uter and the Adelphi uh, racing club for a fantastic 2022 Matt and here's the cheers to everyone and here's to a very successful uh, 2023 you want to say something there Matt I was gonna say hopefully we win on Sunday with this new Philly but 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 you're involved in Gem Mint 10 who debuts on the 26th of January so I'm, I'm hoping just selfishly that you're going to school uh, on Friday morning a little bit hungover and that that thing's been cracked uh, <laughs> well Thursday afternoon at some point that might be a little bit of an issue, but we'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll celebrate and make sure I go back to work uh, sober. Matt, thanks again. Really appreciate it. We're going to leave you on screen here as I end the show. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. We had great viewership. For those of you that are not familiar with the uh, podcast, we have our flagship shows on Thursday nights. We've got a great show coming up this Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, covering the Oaklawn Late Pick 5 this Saturday. And I'd be remiss, Matt, brand new uh, a show starting on the podcast on Wednesday nights and it's starting tomorrow with one of our great young co-hosts, Kyle Roscoe. I'm sure you like the name of this show. It's called Betten and Boozin. We got a, a young group that's going to be on not only talking about horse racing, Matt, but also sports betting and some sports wagering. We want to mix that in to the podcast. So that show, Betten and Boozin, will premiere tomorrow as we're filming this Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, a little bit later because you know the kids stay up later. Old guys like us, we got to have our show a little bit earlier. For, oh, <laughs> for old old guys like me, sorry, not like you. I was hoping I made the cutoff for the new show. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we love everyone to watch both shows. Uh, Matt, thanks a lot. This went great. Really appreciate it. For Matt Cutier, this has been host Howard Kravitz. It's been episode five of All About Adelphi. Thanks for watching and good luck to the Adelphi Racing Club in 2023. Take care, everyone. Have a great night. Bye-bye.